0: what's up sifters welcome to game face episode 25 that's kind of a landmark episode yeah quarter Quarter of a hundred quarter century yeah 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 (laughs) thinking back like when i was on gt we did we ended up doing I think before I left, we did like 250 episodes of Invisible Walls or something like that. And that seemed like an eternity. So the fact that we're at 25 already for Game Face... 10% of the way there. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's... A, <laughs> actually, if you put it that way, <laughs> 250 episodes was a lot. So uh, yeah, here we are for a special Monday edition of Game Face. Matt Kyle to my right, he is a busy, busy man these days. He is flying all over the world, yeah. all over the place. We had this little buffer period. You just came back from like Sweden, yeah, where you had meatballs aplenty, I'm assuming. Oh, ton-
1: yeah, that's all there was. <laughs> that's all meatballs you- and pickled herring. That's
0: all you can buy is meatballs. That's yeah. it. <laughs> and
1: then i got to leave again tomorrow. We're yeah. sta- staying in the States this time, but like we had to get the show done.
0: Yeah. So we Think- just had this like little two-day buffer zone where Matt was in town where we could record. So we realized a lot of people probably couldn't make it and watch the uh, live stream this week. That's totally fine. Uh, we get it. Uh, it would be nice if we could get on a normal schedule, but just with the way things are right now, that is not possible. So,
1: Well, no more traveling in the immediate future, so we can hopefully pick a day and stick with it after this
0: week. Okay, that would probably be a good idea for our viewers, at least for the live streamers. Because the one thing I have noticed is like, the more regular you are with your streams, the like, people that watch, it's a lot bigger. Yeah. Like our uh, when we used to do it Thursday and we did it religiously for like 15 weeks in a row, like you could see every week the numbers go up with the people. But once you start jumping around, you start watching the opposite happen. Like mm-hmm. less and less people start watching. So we understand the importance mm-hmm. of uh, getting on a schedule for yeah, live streaming. Yeah, that's why
1: Firefly got canceled.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you're absolutely right. That happens to a lot of <laughs> yeah. TV shows they send out to die. They're like, oh, we'll just put it on Friday now or whatever. Yeah. Oh, you're on Thursday now. Yeah. We're not going to tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. I'm still not sure I figured out what the exact best day to stream is,
1: though. I don't know. I have no idea.
0: Yeah, because it seems like numbers are all over the place, regardless. We've done it on Saturdays, and this is the first Monday I think we've ever done. For yeah, I don't phase. think we've done a Monday before. Yeah, so um, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I mean, I'm cool
1: with. I mean, I'm cool with Saturdays as well. I know because we, we can do it a little earlier, and it's easier on the European viewers. Yeah, we have a lot of European viewers. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: we should maybe maybe that's that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, Which is gonna get weirder in the coming. Uh, holidays. I think the problem I have with
0: Saturday is that it's so far away from Tuesday. Because Tuesday is like the big day, where all the games come out, all the reviews are going up, there's a lot to talk about. By the time you get to Saturday, it's like people have kind of filtered through the news for the week and Mm. there's already been... 20 podcasts talking about like whatever yeah, happened maybe like
1: do we can you do a poll yeah i'm <laughs> and just like see who wants yeah you know. yeah
0: i mean you guys can always leave obviously comments on the show when it's archived on the site and let us know what you prefer i think all our european folks would be like saturday at like noon <laughs> <Yeah>. your time <laughs> but anyway we are here on a monday and we do have a good show for you guys so let's get to it with the big six So, Matt, there's a disturbing trend going on right now. What's that, Shane? That disturbing trend would be that publishers have decided it's a good idea to release games without single-player campaigns, and look, we've actually talked about this topic very briefly before when Marcus was on the show uh, over Evolve, because Evolve was kind of like that mm-hmm. first like, AAA game that uh, didn't really have a campaign, it was all multiplayer-focused, uh, and we just thought it was like an anomaly. Well, things have really started to turn in that regard. It's Mm. no longer an anomaly. It's something that's becoming increasingly common. So this week, the big announcement was that Call of Duty Black Ops 3, the last-gen versions for Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, will not come with the campaign. Wow. (laughs) That's interesting. That is insane, Um, by the way. Is it cost any less? Yes, it is $10 off. Oh, so basically wow. they've now put a monetary so the, figure the on the their campaign. campaigns are $10. dollars Interesting. $10. Bucks. Think mm. about all the time and effort they put into the campaign, and they've ultimately decided it was worth $10. At least, well, they, mm. they, they probably think that in the eyes of the player that it's worth $10. Yeah,
1: I, th- I think it might be more. I think it might be yeah. a lot more, yeah.
0: Well, as far as their budget is concerned, what they spend on making the campaign versus what they spend on creating multiplayer, it's not even close. I mean... Yeah. Best case scenario for multiplayer would be 50-50, and I still would say it's probably 60-40 with campaign mm-hmm. getting the bulk of, of the budget there. But this, first of all, this is nuts. Like You have this game that you've built for these other platforms, and you've basically just chopped this mode out of it for the last gen versions. You and think it's because they can't run it? That's what they're saying. They're mm-hmm. saying that it it's technically infeasible. Is that a word? In, unfeasible. Unfeasible? Yeah. Infeasible? Um, they that's said it's infeasible. They said it's not feasible for them yeah. to release it. And I, look, is it true? Maybe. Here's mm-hmm. what leads me to believe that that's not true, though. Is that they, you know, they they could have told us about this a long time ago. You got to realize that there are probably literally millions of people who have pre-ordered Black Ops Three mm-hmm. for the PS3 and the Xbox 360. People who haven't upgraded, they're like, that's okay. I'm still going to get COD this year, like. Man, oh, I, you're, you're
1: gonna get codded, son.
0: Yeah, you... <laughs> Look what get, happened. You're gonna get kicked right in the cod <laughs> piece is what's gonna happen. So, this is the first. Like, I've never seen a game that cut a feature for a previous gen version and then have the full game on the new gen version. At yeah, least I, there's I a can't. discount. Yeah, I can't think of
1: a of another thing, especially something that's substantial. I mean, it's like okay, this game doesn't have this mode or this character or something, but the whole campaign.
0: So, Matt, are you okay with spending forty nine ninety nine for just the multiplayer for a Call of Duty game? No, you're not.
1: Uh, well, I don't. I mean, I'm not nearly as big a multiplayer person as you are. So, right. to me, the multiplayer doesn't have as much value. So, like, I like the spectacle, I like the big events, I like the story. When you uh, play a Call of Duty game,
0: typically, how many hours would you spend in the multiplayer?
1: Before you you're done and you move on. 2025 maybe. I it depends. Not bad, right? I mean, like, uh, what was it Modern Warfare 2? I probably spent like 50 or 60. I mean, yeah. it depends if it hooks me or not. It's it's the same. You know, like a Halo game, I'll play about that. Um, you know, a Battlefront, I will probably play. About that you know, if not a little more, because I like'cause not because like I'm saying you know battlefront's better or whatever, but because I like Star wars, right, you know star yeah. wars will get me in there
0: they have a bigger attachment to yeah, the, to the, the con- IP to, yeah. or whatever
1: and you know it's it it's hard to say like you know what I think what's worth or versus what I don't think it's worth, but like a game without a campaign always kind of makes me feel like, well, I sure hope I like it you know i i it's hard for me to justify full price just in the in the sense of like. Well, if I don't like the multiplayer, at least I can play the campaign and get something out of it. Whereas, like, if there's no campaign to fall back on, I feel like I, I either have to deal with, you know... What if, like, day three, everybody figures out some exploit that ruins it and, like, right. for me? And, t- and so I have to wait to not play that game until they patch it, or else I'll just be angry the whole time.
0: Now, here's one thing that does help, is that we're getting betas for a lot of these games now. True. They already had the Call of Duty beta. I played a ton of it. Um, a Battlefront beta launches for everybody mm-hmm. on October 8th, I think 8th, it is. yeah and for everyone just like Call of Duty eventually was you know initially mm-hmm. they're like oh you need to pre-order the game and get in the beta and then the first like 24 hours was for those people and then mm-hmm. the rest of the week was for everybody here's the kicker of the whole thing the whole the, this whole discussion really is what this centers around is Rainbow 6 Siege so Finally, they admitted this week that there is no campaign for Rainbow Six Siege. And we've after, been wondering that for like after a long time. Right? We've talked about it on this show yeah. many times. They've been asked in interviews over and over if there was a campaign. They were always very dodgy about it, and kind of, they never outright said outright said there wasn't. They never said that there was. And I had assumed actually that there wouldn't be. But here's the problem with Rainbow Six Siege: it's a full price game. You mm-hmm. don't get the ten dollar cut off of Siege that you get with Call of Duty for buying the old-gen versions of Call of Duty. So that kind of brings everything into focus here. It's like, you want $60, the same amount of money you want me to spend when I've played... How many Rainbow Six games have we played last gen that had campaigns and multiplayer? Like mm-hmm. three? At least, yeah. <laughs> like, and Ve- I mean, Vegas was like, had pretty good campaigns. Yeah. And so right now, this beta is going on for Rainbow Six Siege. It is not an open beta, by the way. I, hmm. I'm in the beta. I have yet to be able to get the game to work. I oh, yeah. Sa- I, I saw your
1: tweets. I have
0: sat in the lobby. I've actually like let it sit there and went and did work. And would periodically listen for like gunfire coming from my mm. television in the other room to like know that the game launched. It never would launch. Um, I got one response on Twitter from someone who said that they were having the same problem. So... It looks like it might be unique to me and this one other guy. Maybe we have some kind of NAT settings that aren't right. I don't know what it is, but I can't get it to play. But the point is is that it's not an open beta. So you know, with these other games, you kind of had this opportunity to play it and figure out, okay, am I going to spend money just on multiplayer? at least you're making an informed decision on it. Here, no, like most yeah. people, they're not going to get a chance to play the beta before they are asked to spend 60 dollars on this game. So it's starting to get pretty dicey, don't you think? Yeah. I think so, and my other question, I mean, I don't think we know this yet, but
1: are they going to call out this fact very clearly on the packaging?
0: Yeah, that's a you good know? point. It's kind of like the whole YouTube thing. Like, well, are you going to tell people you're getting paid for this video? Yeah. Are you going? But it's like are you th- going to tell people that you're paying for? You're probably paying for something you think you're getting that you're not.
1: Like, are, do you, I mean, I don't know how you even like. Couch that in box language, you know,
0: game box languages like. Well, you can just you have. Call it multiplayer shooter. Or just multiplayer you know? only. Multiplayer or Something only, on the yeah. front or on the back, but I mean, they should. There should be full disclosure, and there should yeah. probably be a law that says that they have to do it, like.
1: Because there's still people, you know, it's much smaller than it was last gen, but there's still people that are not online. Oh, for sure. On their consoles, even next gen consoles.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, so you know, to me, sixty dollars. And for you a can't return game. games. So. Yeah. Like you said earlier, I am a big multiplayer guy. So honestly, if I really look at it and I'm like, well, you know, if I really like Siege, I could end up getting a hundred hours out of that game. Yeah. Or with m- most Call of Duty games, like it becomes like my spare time game. I oh I've got twenty minutes here, I'll play a couple matches. Oh, I'm waiting for my wife to get ready mm. to go to dinner, I'll play a couple matches. Like
1: I kind of equate it to like fighting game like a Street Fighter game or something where I'll pay sixty bucks for a street fighter game, which is clearly meant to be played either with other people on a couch or online or against, against, against online, other people. Yeah. And you know, I mean, yes, they have an arcade mode, but right. like do you it, ever really
0: play it? Like, no, yeah. because
1: that's the thing. In like in a competitive fighting game, playing the arcade mode can ruin.
0: You're right. Your can, skill. Yeah. You know, and I think
1: that's true in, in shooters too. It's like yeah. if you if you train by playing the campaign, you're gonna suck against humans. Well, it's, it's, I don't know if that's completely true. You got to learn the, the the mechanics a little bit, but like yeah. Yeah, it, it teaches you
0: how to use like the weapons and things like yeah. that, and like the the shot patterns for each weapon. I mean, I much and prefer
1: and, to play a campaign before I jump on for multiplayer.
0: For sure. Um, yeah.
1: But again, like...
0: That's the other thing. You just brought up another good point. Is, like, a lot of these people are going to be jumping into multiplayer without having played the campaign and, like, mm-hmm. learned the ins and outs or the ropes, so to speak. I mean, I hope there'll
1: be some kind of, you know, like Titanfall, which had no campaign, but had um, the tutorial stages that right. you had to go through to learn how to play the thing. But on the other hand, like, Respawn is a very conscientious developer and who knows if the others are going to think to do that. Yeah, you know? It's, uh and then they, you bring up the other question of like you know, evolve. Evolve didn't do so well. No, well, uh, but like, did you like? Why was it because it was multiplayer only, or was it because the the DLC structure was a little alienating?
0: I think it's probably a mixture of both. Mm. I mean, I don't think it sold terribly. It may have made its money back and made a little profit. Yeah,
1: as I understand it, it did not hit targets they were expecting though. Yeah, like they really, especially after all the hype and all the you know trade show awards and everything it won. It kind of just Fizzled, you yeah. know it didn't really get anywhere.
0: Well, here's another case where gamers can vote with their dollars. Yeah, it's another example. Uh, if you if you're not okay with this, if you think this is bullcrap, as I pretty much do, um, just don't buy the game. And Ubisoft will learn its lesson. At the very least, the game will get discounted in short order. Mm-hmm. Because if if they come through their first week of sales and they're like, "Oh man, we're tracking really low," chances are they'll probably drop that game ten bucks.
1: Yeah. Especially on like on Steam or something like that, you'll see you'll see that pretty quick.
0: But to me, Rainbow Six Siege is going to be kind of a hard sell.
1: Yeah, I think that is. Def- it's funny to me that like Rainbow Six Siege is harder to swallow at sixty dollars for that than Battlefront is for me. Both b- both because I'm a Star Wars fan and also because like. That's sort of what I'm there. Like, Battlefront's never had a campaign to speak yeah, of. Yeah, but know, it was, it was also like,
0: bullcrap what they said why they didn't put the campaign in it. They were like, oh, because nobody will play it. It's like, no, well, that, that's no, not I would why. That, for sure, there's no campaign in your game. Like, at least be honest. Like, you just didn't want to make it. You didn't have yeah. the time. You didn't have the budget. Well,
1: also, the, one of the things like you know, I recently played Battlefront two through a little bit again, and one of the one of the things about the campaign on Battlefront is that that game had so many planets. That yeah. had like every planet in the prequels and the o- OT and some. And some expanded universe stuff, and so like, you could do a, a kind of a campaign in that game because it had like twenty planets you could go to and sort of jump around and like go through the different eras and stuff. Whereas like Battle, I think the new Battlefront has like four. Yeah. So you know it's not as expansive, and so like you can't really make. I don't know if you can make a functional campaign out of that. So they might be just sort of punting on yeah. that.
0: And look, I like campaign modes. Like I, I love multiplayer, but I also like to play by myself. Like I like to have me time. Like I like to have time where it's just me and the game, all the lights out, headphones on, or the sound system cranked up. Like, I don't know. I this to me is a concerning trend that I hope doesn't continue. Mm -hmm. But you know, at the same time, you know, I'm sure they've done research. I'm sure they did focus group testing and talked to their quote unquote like trust group where they're like they have these. Thousand gamers That they really trust Their opinion on the game and Yeah
1: You presume that like They know You know The ins and outs And what they need to do But at the same time It's hard to You look at that price tag On Rainbow Six Siege And then you think Battlefront's
0: Fort- full price too Yeah but
1: like you, Team Fortress is free you know yeah. it's, it's like A very similar experience Is like running A very different business model And you know You gotta really think is this something that I'm going to get $60 a use out of?
0: I mean, look, a lot of shooters are free now. Boss Keys' yeah. new game, Lawbreakers, is free. They're getting ready to fire up Tribes Ascend again mm-hmm. now that they have this all the money they made off of Smite. And Siege <laughs>
1: Siege bothers me more, I think, because Rainbow Six games have always had campaigns, and at least in Call of Duty. If Call of Duty Black Ops 3 had no campaign on any platform, I'd be like, what the fuck, yeah. Like That would be like... That would be really scary to me, yeah. for maybe reasons I can't fully articulate. But it could like, get there, though. It could get there, it yeah. Could
0: be, we could get in a place where like there's no campaign in Call of Duty. I I mean, mean, most people badmouth it so much anyway. If you're Treyarch or any of the yeah. studios that work on it, after a while, you're probably like, well, then screw you. Yeah, that's like, true. That's a lot of money anymore. for
1: something that people just might make fun of. But if, if they do decide at some point to just cut the campaigns from Call of Duty forever, I mean, I... I would have to press F to pay my respects. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> if that if that happened for sure. All right, let's move on to the second topic of the Big Six, and this one. So here's here's the thing. So there's this game called Eight Forty Six, and what it is is it's a game. It's a VR game. It's for VR where you basically live through 9/11. Mm-hmm. You it, it begins like inside the tower. Yeah. yeah. So you're in the tower. You're sitting at your desk working on your computer screen or whatever, there's someone else sitting across from you in the early footage that they've shown, eventually you get up, you go over to talk to her, and then boom. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if, which tower you're in, or if it's the first plane or the second plane, it I It must
1: know. be the, the first plane, because of A46 would be the time
0: right. that the first plane That was that's right, that was the time the first plane hit. So basically, you are living 9-11 in virtual reality. Matt, how do you feel about that? Do you think it's too soon for something like this? Because on sifted when we curated this game to the site, it was split. Like mm-hmm. a lot of people I personally I think it is too soon, but a lot of people on the site were like, "No, no, no, no. Like you you're crazy." Like
1: I think it depends kind of how it does it. You know, I, I, if it's treated with respect or it's treated with gravity. Um that might you know that 's going to kind of make or break it because uh, it's not i'm sure it's not supposed to be fun, but I think the the amount of time passing is key because like you know um, I always used to bring up uh, or make fun, i guess make fun of but also sort of like be interested in the idea that like the more uh, it, once enough time has passed that everybody who was involved in a tragedy would already kind of have been dead right. Uh, it's, it seems to be okay to turn it into something frivolous, uh, and the main example I would have of that is um, at one of the arcades we used to go to up in San Francisco. They had one of those Wheel of Fortune games, and it was the Titanic sinking. Oh! And it, this is after the Titanic fever of uh, right. you know, after the movie, the eating, yeah. and so like the, you spun the wheel, and the, and the ship, which was like tilting, sinking, like spun around, whichever uh, like like slot the the rudder was pointing at is what you won. Right. And I'm just like, Dude, <laughs> that is that is dark. Like that, that is. is dark. And yeah. But it's like no one ever freaked out about it, I guess, because it was like no one a knows, long time ago. And because okay.
0: nobody knows somebody right. who was who was affected by that. Affected by it, yeah.
1: And so, yeah, I think you know, probably too soon, uh, in the sense that it's not you know, it's it's not not enough time has passed for you to benefit financially from this. You know, United ninety three, the movie, notwithstanding, which you know was was actually done with with. Uh, I think some respect and an attempted to bring some perspective to it. But I, mean, I don't know. They also
0: showed people being heroes and it yeah. was, I, look, there's no way to make a, that story uplifting no. after what happened, but there's a way to soften the blow a little bit by showing hey, these people stepped up. They did things that some humans may not yeah. do and
1: And like is this game like can like do you die in it or can you get out if you do the, the right thing? The like, details like, are like that seems right that seems right like weirdly tasteless to me. The idea that like like, oh, you died in 9-11 because you did it wrong. Like, right. that seems to be a very bad thing to be saying about the victims of, of 9-11. Like, that's... If I were... You know, I don't know. I was not related to anyone who was in the buildings at the time. But if I were, I think I would be pretty offended by the but idea. But do you know
0: somebody who lived in New York when it happened? Yeah, because I do. Because, sure. look, I don't have any relatives or anything. I don't have, like, a five degrees of separation of mm-hmm. 9-11 or anything. But... I have four or five really good friends who I've been friends with for over 20 years who lived in New York and still live in New York and Mm -hmm. and lived there when it happened. And out of respect for those people, like those people are shooken up about it still. Oh, yeah. I mean, you bring it up and you just see the fire in their eye. Like they're mad still. Mm -hmm. And then I start thinking about like the families of the people. And imagine if you were the mom of somebody who was the guy sitting at this desk and worked for Morgan Stanley or whatever and perished. And then you're, like, watching CNN or whatever, and they're like, a controversial new video game about 9-11 has been making their... I mean, how, would, how do you feel about that? Like, even if yeah. it's, like... Even if you do play the hero, and you save 20 people and get them out of the building, like... I still just don't think it's right. I just can't... I just... I think it's way too soon. And I honestly don't know if, like, me personally, like... It'll ever not be too soon for me. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people brought up, okay, well, if you're not okay with that, then you shouldn't be okay with like Call of Duty in games based on war. And sort of my retort, I am not want to say retort, I don't want to use that word, but what I responded with was, well, people who go to war, generally, have signed up for the military, they know what the job is, they know they may have to go somewhere and fight other people and possibly kill other people, they know that people die in war, and the opportunity for them to die is, is something that's very real, but we're talking about people who were sitting at their desks working here. And mm. there was no war declared. They didn't sign up for war. They were just basically victims of a cowardly. Act. Well, they, well, they were murdered. They were murdered. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't war. It was no side declared war against the other and there was this organized form of combat is taking place. Like yeah. Well, it's the
1: same way where like I'm you know, I don't know if has any game had you play uh in Pearl Harbor? Did, mm, did Rising Sun yeah, do that? Yeah, yeah,
0: there, there's been Pearl Harbor which was, but of course, before. which was
1: angled on, you know, probably more angled on the, like, you know, get to that, get to that anti-aircraft gun and like shoot down who you can't. You got know, kind of that that sort of like fighting chance thing. This seems like, I don't, I don't know what to describe this as. It's, it's like almost like victim porn. Like, yeah. Like you know, feel what it was like to be a 9/11 victim. Like that doesn't seem like that does
0: entertainment. Well, not entertainment, <laughs> but it also doesn't seem
1: like what am I gonna get out of that? Like mean, I'm, you know, not that I, you know, everyone's thought about that. I think, you know, yeah. because what it would have be like be been, been like? What yeah. would you have done? What would what would have happened? You know, would you have been one of the jumpers? Would you? Have, and that's what I think about know, this uh,
0: game is that I feel like they're exploiting that. Yeah, I feel I would, like they're I saying, look, there's that. a lot of people out there who wonder what it would be like to be in the building, and I'm going to give it to them. Is to me, it feels very salacious, very sleazy. I mean, look, mm-hmm. even if you're the hero, like I said, and you get all these people out of the building, like that's, I don't know, that don't make me feel any better about playing this. Isn't game. it also
1: kind of? It feels a little bit like a shortcut. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. well, what? Yeah, it's like, oh, we want something that's going to, like... And it's in VR. Keep yeah. in mind, oh, this is a VR, VR game. It's like, oh, we want something that's going to be noticed. We want something that people are going to, like, want to, you know... Be, it's like, it's like this is the easiest way to kind of create this sort of controversy thing. So, we, you know, it, an office building simulator is not going to get you headlines, but this sure as hell will. Yeah.
0: So, hey, don't, look, don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think the game shouldn't be made. Like, I don't think right. it should be censored or banned or anything or anything like that. No. Like, look, gaming... Creating games is an art form, and if we're going to look at games as art, we have to treat them as art, and I would never censor anyone's art. And so, look, I'm not saying this guy needs to be shut down, or like, Steam needs to say, no way, Jose, we're not going to carry this game, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah,
1: this, this isn't like that, the history game with the Tetris thing. Right. I'm just part.
0: saying, for me personally, like, it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can put it. And, I mean, everybody's going to be different on this. I feel like people who maybe don't live in America may have a different view of it versus people who do. Mm-hmm. Or people who don't know anyone from New York maybe has a different perspective on it. Because they've never been touched by the whole thing personally. And seeing the pain in someone's eyes from yeah. what they went through. it. And these are people who are indirectly affected. Like, yeah. and I, just I had think... to evacuate for five days. Like, They weren't involved in like the actual what they're going to be experiencing in this quote-unquote game. So... Mm-hmm. Well, I figure, you know, I mean, I don't
1: know, because I was, I, was I was in San Francisco at the time, so I, you know, I, I have a very different and probably less intense experience, I would say. But it's got, you know, when someone breaks into your home or breaks into your car or whatever, you kind of have that feeling of, like, that violation Violation, feeling. yeah. And I figured, you know, I think every American kind of felt that, that yeah. after that. And if you lived there, if you were from New York, like, that has to be thousands of times worse. Yeah. You know, that... It's that feeling of like you know it's New York it's 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 the you know it's the heart of American culture and like to have that happen and violate that that space and that well, it, I think we it, also had terrible. this like false sense of security as for Americans for sure yeah for sure and, but like and maybe you know,
0: some of the, some of it's good that that's changed our perspective a little bit maybe we're a little more on guard than we used to be and maybe that's something that we probably needed to mm-hmm. do it's the worst way possible to ever get to that new sort of revelation yeah. but
1: but I totally understand why people who are you know were there that day were in that. That area, like you know, you're never gonna get over that. Like, yeah. th- you know, this game could be made 50 years from now, and those people would probably still be very justifiably upset by it because it was, yeah. you know, you never leave that day, to some degree. Yeah.
0: So we both agree that it's too soon for this I think, game. I think it's, for us I think personally, it's a, I think it's a
1: tasteless move. Uh, yeah. And like I, like you say, I don't think it should be shut down. I don't think it be stopped. But I don't really have any interest in playing it. Yeah. I don't and either.
0: um, you know, I mean, I don't want to know what it was like. No, I, I count my lucky stars that I do not know what it was like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I don't see... I just don't see any reason to fictionalize that, in that in, to that degree. Yeah. I, I, I
0: mean, look, a lot of about this game isn't known. We don't know if he is if it is going to be historically accurate, and there's mm. going to be real people who actually were in the towers, and if well, he's... then you're in a
1: whole another legal zone right. there. So it's yeah, and and yeah, the VR thing is like I get what they're after, and there is an element of you know because people have talked forever, but, you know what was that? I can't remember what it was called, but it was like, was it Kuma or something? It was like that. Yeah, that, yeah. That, where they, where they recreated, they recreated real wars. like Fallujah yeah. and like the and the real war stuff as it happened in this first person shooter setting or whatever. Um, I mean I think that is going to become kind of a uh a VR sort of staple. I mean kind of experience the news yeah. idea. But like this I think There was also can't... that game
0: where you fist fought bin Laden.
1: Yeah, a uh, Fug- Fugitive <laughs> Hunter. Yeah. That was yeah. Um which is like
0: I mean, it's kind of the
1: same. Kind of, kind of similarly tasteless, but it's yeah. like there's a there's a wish fulfillment to that right. that like was at least sort of entertaining. Oh, it was revenge, is what and it yeah. was. And yeah, and whereas this is like I don't know what you're after with this. You know, it's 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 it's, it's like if you made a I mean, it's like World War II games. You've kind of got the heroism of the soldiers. You've got that sort of good versus evil idea going on um, with, with the Nazis. I think you had a harder time selling that in the Pacific campaign stuff. Yeah. But. Um, uh, you know no one I don't as far as I remember, nobody made uh, you know any of World War II shooters in which you played as an actual prisoner of war or a concentration camp victim, right. which is more like what this is, it I is think. yeah um, there's a, there's, just, there's a line you can't cross uh, maybe ever you know yeah. I mean I think we're a long way from the point where like you know commemorative salt and pepper shakers are okay yeah, you know like, right it's, it's not something that you're going to be able to exploit like that and not catch a lot of flack. And I think that's a fact, fact of the matter, and I think it's kind of kind of right that it should be that way.
0: Before we move on, do you think the game is going to sell mm. when it's released? Yeah. I mean, I think there'll be enough curious I people. I think it will. Yeah. And I think it will do what I mentioned earlier, which is end up on CNN. Actually, it'll probably end up on Fox News first. Yeah. And then all the other news outlets will pick it up, and it'll be this big... Crap storm, and the guy's mm-hmm. going to be sitting in his apartment or whatever, counting his money and laughing at everybody, which yeah,
1: it's
0: pretty disconcerting to think about. But, but
1: yeah, I, th- I think you're probably right. And it'll be, you know, I mean, we may never see the sales numbers on it, but I uh, would be very curious to see what
0: like sales in America are versus sales overseas. For sure. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. So let's move on to topic number three of the big six. No good news here either. Like I said, it depends on your perspective on this one. Mm. Uh, so this week, Shuhei Yoshida basically came out and said, "Yeah, folks, there's not going to be another Sony handheld. There's not going to be a Vita 2." He cited current market conditions, meaning everyone's playing on their mobile, their mobile yeah. phones. Um, Matt, how do you feel about this? No Vita 2. I don't care. Or whatever they would have called their third handheld. I don't care. Really? really? I mean, I
1: I own a Vita. I owned. I bought a Vita day one. So did I. I, I played. I... <laughs> I hear the pain. Yeah, the I mean, I I played it a fair amount. I think it's a beautiful piece of hardware. Um, just crystal clear screen. It controls well. The two analog sticks are great. Yeah, I love Persona Four Golden. I played a lot of a lot of that. Danganronpa's the uh, you know. There's a lot. Gravity Rush, Tearaway. Persona I mean,
0: Four Golden was the best game on the system. I think probably. we could probably all
1: agree with that. It's up there. Yeah, and like so, you know, it's not like I didn't get my time out of the Vita, but like, it's it was just you know. It was too late. Like, the mobile took it. And for me, it was a lot of, you know, at the time uh, of release, I remember they came out, Sony came out and said, yeah, the PSP was a mis- had some mistakes in its library in the sense that, like, you know, we were just basically giving you, like, toned down versions of PS3 games. And nobody wanted that. People want original software and a, an original library. And that's what the Vita is going to be. And then the Vita was pretty much just a, you know. That's exactly
0: what it was. Yeah, it was all cross-play. It was, cross play. It was yeah, yeah. It
1: was like, hey, everything is cross-play. And then there was the center of this, you know, I know there's people that just live and die by remote play and cross-play on the Vita. But to me, I was always just like, well, I could just go in the other room and play it on my big screen, so why wouldn't I? You know, I I think it's a cool feature, but I don't travel enough and I don't bring my Vita with me enough because it doesn't fit in my pocket.
0: Well, you know, you also have to find a Wi-Fi connection and it has to be a decent Wi-Fi connection or you're going to have lag and there's only certain games that are really playable using remote play. I mean, honestly, I think the reason it failed is just flat out. You can say, oh, the memory cards or marketing. It just didn't have enough games. It did yeah. not have enough games you could only play on the Vita. It came out of the gate okay. Like, the launch lineup was passable, mm. which is what duped me into buying one and probably duped you into buying one a little bit. Yeah. And after that, it was just a wasteland. And it just became this place where you could basically play indie games that you could play on every other platform. Or you could play Japanese RPGs. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really what the system has become in the last couple years. Yeah. It's a dumping ground for JRPGs because in Japan, every JRPG comes out for the PlayStation 3 and the Vita, and now it's the PS4 and the Vita. Um, But I honestly haven't picked mine up. I can't tell you last time I turned mine on. It has been probably eight or nine months since I even turned it on. Um,
1: Last thing I played on it was... um... Right around Christmas, I played through Super One and Two on it. Yeah. Uh, because when Super Two went uh, went on PSN. Yeah. Um, so I played those through, and it was great. I mean, it was it was funny playing using this system, this very high tech system, even today. To play this to play, game. <laughs> to play a
0: game from nineteen ninety five. Right. But um. But uh, see, that's what I'm saying. In like the indie games, look. It's not pushing the Vita to the hilt no. to play shovel knight. Well also like, like those <laughs> games Not what I got it for. But
1: those games are also on everything.
0: Like yeah, why wouldn't I just play it on my PC? Or like my- I did not buy a Vita. And look, I understand it. Like if some people only have a Vita or whatever, like I get it. They're like, "Oh my god, I got tons of time out of mine." But I didn't. Like I got mm-hmm. nothing out of my Vita. Like once that first rush of games came out like what like the first year, they had the big rush and then, like, one decent game would come out, like, every three or four months after that. And then after that first, like, 18 months, it was over, man. Like, yeah. well, over. Well, also, like, look
1: at how many of these, those games they showed are, like, just Vita versions of things I already own.
0: Yeah. You know? On, like, like five times. Because now that you have, like, these free programs for Xbox Live and PSN where you get free games every, like, it's also getting to the point, and this is obviously a total tangent, but, like, the, the whole free game thing with Xbox Live and PSN is kind of just becoming worthless at this point because what i'm finding is that like one month you get a game for free on psn the next month is free for xbox yep. and the month before whatever game was free on xbox the next month is free on playstation network so if you actually own both consoles like the deal's kind of up with, like...
1: I own a lot of copies of Tomb Raider I didn't Yeah, it, I know. I
0: <laughs> <wish>. <laughs> but all of them, like, a lot of those indie games end up making oh, it yeah. to, like, all every platform. Do you like, ever
1: forget which ones you have and, like, oh, I'll play that down... Del- Wait a minute. Oh, I yeah. remember this. I yeah, have like, it. I have... Yeah. Like, a
0: lot of times I'm like, oh, I've, I've just, I, I don't even remember that I have a lot of games because mm-hmm. I'm just, like, I always go and get them, like, claim them, so to speak, or, quote, unquote, add them to my library, right. but I rarely ever go and play them. And so... With the Vita, it's like, I cannot believe how much money I spent on that versus how much ga- enjoyable gameplay time I had with it. Like, after the first year, it really, like, I would turn it on to update the firmware. Like, I'd see, like, a news post, like, new firmware for Vita, and I'd go and download it, and then I'd, like, poke around in it for, like, 10 minutes, turn it off, and I wouldn't touch it again until they up- updated the firmware again. Yeah. So, yeah. hardware is amazing. Like, I didn't... I. I bought that for the hardware. And that yeah, was probably it was my beautiful. mistake, really. Well, I bought it
1: because, like you said, the launch line I've had some promising stuff. Persona 4 was coming, and I knew I loved Persona 4. That's the thing is the two games I played the most on that system were Persona 4 Golden and the Ninja Gaiden Black Port, or yeah. whatever it was, Sigma, or whatever it was. Yeah. So it's like basically what I did, mainly what I did, is I played two versions of two games that came out the previous generation on old hardware that were then slightly improved for the system. And you know, I dabbled in other things. I Shinobi 2, and and a lot, you know, a lot of the, like the stuff I've gotten on download. And there's a lot of stuff out there if you're into the kind of the more niche uh, Japanese software and you know things that you wouldn't see anywhere else. But um, and I understand the people that love it so much in the sense that you know, if if I had a more uh, you know limited either limited budget for console purchasing or more time like, commuting on public transit or right. like. You know, waiting around at school. You know, I think if I was in high school or something, I would have gotten a lot more use out of it because I would have been on the go and had a backpack to keep it in, that kind of thing. It just wasn't for me anymore. It's also,
0: I feel like, it, just like the Wii U, it was wasted potential. Because yeah. you have this awesome hardware. And look, I don't care what anyone says, I think the Wii U is awesome hardware, and I think the Vita is awesome hardware. Like, the potential Tremendous there... Potential. Yeah. To do stuff is amazing. But with both systems, like, it just... They never used it because it's money, and it's like, oh, if we didn't develop this just for this. We can't put we it. We can't put it somewhere else. else. And like, you kind of see that with Tearaway Unfolded. It was made for the Vita initially, and most of the criticisms you see of the PlayStation Four version is like, well, it didn't really do this thing that it did on the Vita because it doesn't have the same functionality. Yeah. So. I don't know, I remember the first time I put my hands on the Vita, I was like, oh my God, like, it does so much. And I was sold. Like, just looking at the potential of it, I was like, and it's Sony, I'm like, the PSP did well with software pretty much through the end, and I mean, they're still putting out PSP games now in Japan, so. Still putting out Dreamcast games. Yeah, exactly. And so, (laughs) I was dumb. Like, I made a huge mistake. I just looked at the hardware and said, this hardware is awesome. I've put my hands on it. I know it's awesome. I know it works the way it's supposed to. Eventually, the games are going to come, and they just never did. Yeah. Well, I can't say
1: I regret having a Vita. Maybe I regret paying launch price for it. But, I mean, I've played a lot. A lot of it, it's just the games I played on it were kind of ridiculous that those are the games I played on it because yeah. they were ports of old games. But, like, I still enjoyed it. And then, you know, Persona 4, I've played through, like, twice yeah. on that game. I mean, and it's it, it's... I will definitely keep it, and I will still use it, and I'll probably be playing you know various things on it you know years from now. But um, I totally understand why Sony would you know as someone who was a Sega fan from from back in the day one, I understand why you got to walk away from some of this stuff. You know, yep. it, it's it's just not economically feasible, and the market is completely different. And I don't I'm, think
0: anyone be, will begrudge Sony for bailing on the handheld. Oh, thing.
1: they do. I, I don't know if you've seen some of the threads on on this news but there's some angry people really? out there. oh yeah i mean there's people that love this system they, you know in the same way that people love the dreamcast and yeah. love the saturn and you know love the wii u you know and and not to say they're wrong but you know you're kind of yeah, you the wrong. you can't tell ho-
0: someone they're wrong for loving something yeah but system. you're kind
1: of back in the wrong horse financially speaking and sometimes sometimes we do that sometimes we buy uh, a Japanese Dreamcast for way more than they should. We should have bought it for, and then we buy a hundred games for it, and then they pull the plug, and mm. we're stuck with a whole bunch of stuff that we don't have anything else to do with anymore. You know, speaking from not at all. There are you, Matt? But you know, it's yeah. You know, I I just had to move my Dreamcast collection down from San Francisco, and like I have you know I have I have something like hundred and fifteen Dreamcast. games. You have the whole library. Almost. almost <laughs> oh, I mean, half of them are imports, yeah, but yeah. like and fighting games and stuff. But Uh it's like, you look at this, and I'm just like, god, there's so much stuff I absolutely love in this library, but I know that I'm a massive minority in that. You know, it's it's like, yeah, there's.
0: I actually look back on the Dreamcast library, and I feel like I had rose-tinted glasses on that. I think
1: (laughs) you have a point. And I'm, I'm just like, really? Out Trigger? Yeah. I played Out Trigger? I bought a keyboard and mouse for Out Trigger? Yeah. Like, what was wrong and with And there was me? lots
0: of arcade games that were ported over that worked great in the arcade but when you play them, like, at home, yeah. like Crazy Taxi. All
1: like, I'm saying is that if you hit, you know, it's it's the Vita, Vita hardcore Vita fans remind me of when they were I didn't fall into this trap, but there were people even at the time for the Dreamcast that desperately so wanted the Dreamcast to succeed that they even tried to claim that Floigan Brothers was a good game. Mm-hmm. And that is Stockholm Syndrome failing is, system, yeah. failing system System Stockholm Syndrome on a level that just no one should have to suffer through.
0: Now before we move on, let's talk about the impact on Nintendo with this. So, obviously look, at the, the 3DS has never been as popular as the DS. The no. DS, I don't well, know. If the DS
1: was, a, I think, a once in a lifetime phenomenon. I
0: really thing. don't think any handheld will ever reach the levels of the Nintendo DS again. Not
1: in a post smartphone phone world.
0: I just no. don't see it. And so, looking at that, and you know, knowing how popular D- the DS was, and the 3DS hasn't been a failure by any stretch yeah, of the 3DS imagination. Is doing well. I mean, it's made Nintendo's made a huge chunk of money off of the 3DS, and rightfully so because it mm-hmm. actually has supported the, that system with software more yeah. so than its console. Whereas Sony, you've kind of seen the reverse. With Sony, it was like it it made plenty of software for its its consoles, but the handheld side of it, it kind of lagged. I think that's another that's mm-hmm. thing too: is that Sony realizes, hey. Supporting two platforms with software... It's hard. It's hard. It's really hard. And uh, so, going back to Nintendo, they made this big announcement with DNA, and, you know, we already Mm. got, like, Pokemon Shuffle, like, the Match 3 Pokemon games out. And
1: Pokemon Go. Pokemon
0: Go's been announced. We're starting to see all the partnerships with DNA coming through, and... I don't know. Do you think there's another Nintendo handheld? I don't. I think... If
1: there is another Nintendo handheld, I think it will be the controller for the NX. Yeah, I mean we've talked about that before. We have, but yeah. I, but I, I think the NX will have some kind of controller system that you can
0: kind of take with you. Yeah, and that will. be... Do you think be, it's like a future VMU where the games are like really simple that you play, and it's I just like where you take it away and kind of level up your character doing dumb mini games and mm, bring it back? Or I don't think. So. Do you, I mean, there's I think full you fledged could. games for it.
1: I think they will be full fledged games. I think they will be. I think it will be similar to. Um, uh, or at least somewhat similar to the cross-buy thing with the, with the Vita, where you kind of share a save between the two things. Like, you can play it on the road, you come back, you upload that save, your main console can pull it. And I would think it wouldn't be necessarily cloud stuff with Nintendo. It would be like more like plug the thing into the system. So
0: you think separate hardware processors and everything in the controller, quote-unquote, and the console?
1: I w- yeah, I would say... I, my guess would be that you, the, the controller for the NX will be kind of a next-gen... Wii U touchpad thing. Um, or I could be completely wrong and the whole thing will be built kind of around syncing with your iPhone or your Android yeah. tablet or whatever. Uh, where maybe the controller is a normal controller and, like you say, they do the VMU thing with your smartphone. Um, maybe more advanced than the VMU stuff. Yeah, because yeah. I well, still I was can't just using that it. as an example though, where right.
0: you had this full featured game and then you took the handheld portion of it away, and right. that part of it was much more simple than what you were experiencing on the mm-hmm. the mothership. But
1: it's Nintendo, so I would imagine, like, you know, Nintendo can craft a compelling, you know, mini-game experience based on a larger, full-fledged game, and so it wouldn't surprise, wouldn't surprise me to see, like, say, you know, the big 3D Mario game, maybe on the NX, you can then, like, you can, like, maybe transfer to your phone or whatever, and you can play, like, a side-scrolling Mario game that, like, gets you... Lives or currency or something in the main game or something, you know, something it. like that. Um, that's actually a really good idea. Like ship yeah. a Mario.
0: That's like it's a 3D. And it's 2D. Mario Galaxy on the console, and then it's a 2D Mario yeah. on the controller slash handheld. Yeah, that that would, that would be the kind of thing I would go for. That'd be pretty know. sweet. Yeah, but is still in that loop of trying to support two platforms. Yeah, with that model. But
1: I think in that model, you can then kind of fold the handheld ideas and the handheld development into the main development of, one, you know, you can kind of consider it one project, which might make it easier somehow, or it might make it horribly more complicated. I don't know, yeah. I don't know enough about game development nitty gritty to say one way or the other, but if I were going for it, that's what I, I'd try to basically, um, I'd try to make the handheld and the console experience sort of completely intersected, like
0: inseparable. Let me ask you this, Matt. So here's two options. Option one is what we have now, which is a Nintendo console, a Nintendo handheld, Nintendo supports them both. Option two is Nintendo console and Nintendo mobile games. Mm -hmm. Letting DNA handle all that. Cracking open a lot of staff for them to support their console better. Which of those two options would you choose? And look, I know Nintendo fans are screaming right now, oh, you you take the, the console and you take the handheld, screw the mobile, but...
1: I don't know. I think I... Here's the thing. Yes, the console and handheld model is proven under Nintendo, but I really want to see what they do under the other model. You know, I feel like you could get experiences just as good and I've always, I've had in my head since 1998 the idea of a Pokemon game where you go around and take pictures. Yeah, yeah. The AR thing where you find Pokemon. In the,
0: you know, Pokemon looks, Go looks awesome, by yeah, the way. Yeah, totally I don't know how awesome. all you guys, how all you Sifters feel about it, but I think Pokemon Go looks like something I could become crazy. Yeah, Pokemon considered. Go
1: is really, is one of the games in my head. Like yeah. Pokemon Go could be a big deal. Oh, yeah. Um... And that, I remember that when Pokemon, I was like, they need to make, when cameras and phones became a thing, I'm like, they need to make a game where if I find something that looks kind of like Pikachu, I can take a picture of it, and it gives me a Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and like, I they feel like... They took about ten steps
0: further. Yeah, now they're going <laughs> way beyond
1: that, but like, but I feel like that's, you know, kind of that idea of, and I, you know, the, the, um, the company that's making Pokemon Go all, makes a similar kind of game called, uh, Ingress,
0: uh.
1: where, um... And I have it on my phone. Uh, I don't play it much because I don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, you kind of like all artistic landmarks in every city. Like, people like submit them and you can go and you can like hack them. And like if other people on your team can like set up pylons and you can sort of like you gain, like basically, you're trying to take over territory. But the interesting thing is like you have to, have to actually physically go there. Like, you, you can't, like, travel there in the game. So a GPS it's a is GPS all tied game kind of thing. Yeah. But, like, that idea of taking the game into out into the world, like, I've always found that to be a very interesting idea, and I feel like if anyone's going to finally take that idea, and i played a lot of games like that, and none of them have really worked fully for me, yeah. but I feel if anyone can take that idea and make it functional and make it fun, it's going to be Nintendo.
0: So let's go back to my question. You never ch- made your choice. Which would you choose? The current I- model or... A Nintendo gonna... console with more support from Nintendo and just handing off the handheld stuff to DNA's mobile. As long as team. the DNA stuff still had the Nintendo polish on it, I think I'd take the mobile model. I would, hands down, take the mobile model. Mm-hmm. I would much rather have Nintendo making console games than handheld games. That is just my mm-hmm. opinion.
1: As long as Nintendo still can, like, kind of quality control what DNA is. Not to say DNA is bad at it, or, you know, or, or a bad developer. Right. I'm just saying, as long as the quality is equal. You know, it, you know, the mobile games we get from Nintendo and DNA are, you know, for the platform, equal in quality to what we got on the handhelds. Like, that would be what I'd choose just to see what they do, just to see what new things they come up with because that's, you know, I think stagnation has become a problem on the Nintendo front.
0: Yep, I would choose the mobile model just purely so that Nintendo is always working on the most powerful ha- hardware possible. Like mm-hmm. That's a good point. I feel like yeah. when they're working on the handhelds, they're always making sacrifices and they have to cut corners here and there in those games and I would just prefer for Nintendo to just have full-bore real hardware to work on oversee what dna is doing make sure they sprinkle their magic nintendo dust on the games and you know their quality control is usually pretty good although and wouldn't it be interesting if like a couple
1: years into that system's life the tablets are more powerful than it
0: right (laughs) which it could very well be it's not not an impossible future at all so it's interesting we are at a time of transition I yeah. mean, I mean, Sony's kind of laid his cards on the table at this point. They basically just bailed. And now, mm. Sony, every Sony studio that it owns, all these little studios that were m- making games for handheld can now all start making games for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation uh-huh. 5. And to me, I feel like that's the better option for Sony, and I also think it's a better option for Nintendo, as long as yeah. it, it feels like it can trust DNA to <laughs> have that Nintendo DNA yeah. in the games that it creates. And so, I think it'll be there, and I think... You know, like,
1: I know you know, Nintendo is very adamant about having real buttons, but like, and and I, I, you know, people talk about how you need real buttons to have a real gaming experience, like the touch stuff doesn't really work well enough to where, but you know, um, it took Nintendo to figure out how to do a 3D game properly. You know, it took yeah. Mario 64 to really yeah. kind of set that standard, and people had tried before with Tomb Raider and things like that, but it wasn't until Mario 64 that everybody was like, oh. Like, yeah. 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 So who's to say Nintendo can't take touch controls and it figure is. that out too. Well,
0: it kind of had its opportunity with the Wii U to do
1: that. It did, but like it you know, the thing to re- always the thing to remember about the Wii U is they still punted on the physical controls on the controller yeah. and it's a single touch screen. Yeah. You know, give Nintendo a multi-touch screen and let them go to town and see what you come up with. I mean, that's that's an exciting idea to me because those guys, the, you know, the guys over at Nintendo uh all they do is play with that shit until they figure it out. It's, it's like when we, you know, when the 3DS was revealed, and we went to try it in the booth at E3, and Sessler asked uh, Reggie, like, how long have you guys been working on this? And Reggie said, like, pretty much since the Virtual Boy. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, get,
0: you know,
1: they will workshop yeah. that stuff until it works, yeah. until it's magic. And so, you know, who knows what they've been, you know. You can't tell... I will never believe that the people... you know, Nintendo internally, without telling anyone... You know, They've been messing with that mobile stuff for a long time. You, yeah. know? you know they're experimenting and playing with it... Because they know that... Even if they, don't, even if they weren't ever going to go mobile... They were going
0: to want to experiment with this whole touch thing... Because that's what the new generation is into. The last thing I'll say on this is... I'll tell you one thing. If, there was, if no 3DS existed... We would not be waiting for a Metroid game for the Wii U right now. That game would have been out... We'd have played it. Yeah. Hopefully it would have been great. <laughs> and you can probably go right on down the list of, of series and IPs that you've been waiting to see on Wii U. If there was no 3DS, we would have we'd have Zelda. Zelda would be done. I guarantee you, Zelda would be done for Wii U. We'd have played a Metroid already. Star Fox would have come out already. It would have been like It would change everything if they can focus just on that one platform. And so that's why, me personally, I would prefer them... Turn their handheld stuff over to a mobile team that they trust and just concentrate on making the best looking, best playing games on their console possible. I agree. All right, time to move on. More big announcements this week. Oculus had its Oculus Connect 2, hmm. the second year of its big, like, only Oculus press conference. Did you get to watch any of it, Matt? No, I didn't. I was uh, yeah? probably in the air. Well, there weren't a ton of big announcements at the, at the event. They showed off a lot of games. I'll say that much. Mm. Like, they showed a montage that had, like, 20-plus games in it. Epic Games showed off a new game for Oculus, which is, like, basically just a first-person shooter that takes place in train stations. I guess it's the easiest way to surmise it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it has bullet time. But the big deal for Oculus is that they kind of hinted at the price of it. Mm. And so basically what they said is at least $300. Woo! Yeah, and so this is coming off of the heels of Sony just about a week and a half ago saying, "Well, the price of PlayStation VR is going to be about the cost of a new console." And so you know, Sony came in low with their console at four hundred. Yeah. So they're talking four hundred dollar range for PlayStation VR. Matt, are are these are they? Is it too expensive?
1: Yes, I think so. Although. You know, like, my instant thoughts go to, the, like, the Sega CD. You know, those add-ons that just, they were too expensive and they, they weren't clear on what they were going to do or whether they are going to be supported and people just sort of stayed away from them.
0: Well, let's talk about Oculus first. So, like, and I think... And at $300 Oc- is Oculus... And let, look, I don't think it's going to be $300. I think more. it's going to be 400 or 500 Probably, yeah. yeah.
1: I I don't know if I want to pay that. I mean, that's, that's a lot for an... Un- I mean, I'm going to sit back and watch, basically. Um... And that thing better, I mean, people better hope that that thing has some serious porn support because that's where you're going to sell those things, I think. Here's
0: the other thing. They are not releasing the touch controllers, which we're seeing right now on the screen. They are not releasing the touch controllers with Oculus. They will come around later after launch.
1: Hmm. So, so you'll just use a normal controller or the keyboard. Yeah. Well,
0: they've already said that it works with the Xbox One controller mm. and blah blah blah. So, yeah, you would at first you will be using just the Xbox One controller. I don't okay. even know. Maybe it works with Xbox 360 as well. But so the touch controllers are not coming out at launch. So you're not getting for that money. You're, you're not, not getting, getting the touch that. controllers, right? Wow. Which is a pretty big deal. I just
1: half a thousand, half half a you know, I, I don't half a G half a G for that is. Like, what is going to be on there that's good enough that I'm going to
0: have to not be able to live without it for 500 bucks? There's like, the Insomniac game that looks kind of good. There's Epic's game, which looks like, honestly, other than Insomniac, it's the only other, like, real game for it. Because everything else is like a little demo that they mm-hmm. show. And, I mean, I think PlayStation VR is an even worse position. Yeah. With, with that regard. Like, well, at least really the Oculus has is no like, game. Yeah.
1: A lo- Oculus is at least universal to some degree. And more of an open platform, whereas Morpheus, or PlayStation VR is like, well, now, why, okay, if this thing's 400 if this thing's costs as much as a PS4, why do you want to pay that much for something you can only use on your PS4? And what happens when it's PS5 time? Yeah. You know, can the Morpheus even do I mean, we would assume this, you know, that it
0: would work with the PlayStation 5. You would hope, 5, but... Yeah. But at that point, like, are you getting ready for an upgrade? Because here's the other wrinkle, is that at Oculus, actually the biggest announcement at Oculus... Press event wasn't really about Oculus. It was about this other headset for for Samsung VR Gear VR, which is basically mobile VR for ninety nine dollars. So they're going to sell VR
1: going to be broke. Yeah, (laughs)
0: you like that. (laughs) (laughs) So they've released this. They're going to release a headset before I think it's before the end of the year for ninety nine dollars. That works with basically Samsung phones. Mm -hmm. And so you slide your phone into the headset and you do VR through your phone screen. And it's 99 bucks. So, does that dilute? Because, look, here's what's going to happen. A lot of people are going to buy that $99 headset. It's not going to be anywhere near as good as no. Oculus or PlayStation VR. Does that spoil the well, so to speak, for VR? Maybe. I
1: mean, that's the thing is I just don't know. I think VR is definitely the future of entertainment, but I don't know if the future is here yet.
0: Because yeah. you know I mean? The other big announcement was you can watch Netflix in VR. That was literally, like, the probably got the most applause of their, all their announcements. What? ha Yeah. Like,
1: do, you, do I really want to watch House of Cards
0: and VR? Like, I don't... I, I don't. I don't really care. <laughs> I think they're talking about the social aspect. You can sit and watch it with other oh, people virtually. Yeah. Who?
1: Like, that's... Other like, people who have... Yeah, but who... Ha- like, I'm trying to think of which of my friends would be crazy enough to buy a $500 VR headset and... Not coming up with too much.
0: I, mean, I honestly cannot think of one person that I know that isn't a part of the industry that will even pay $300 for a yeah. VR headset.
1: Yeah, well, that's what I'm thinking. Is like I, I'm sure I will know people who have them because we will get them as review well, models or whatever. A lot of people whatever. will get them
0: free, and a lot of people just need them for their jobs. I are going to need them like, to be like, able to evaluate
1: games. Like the people I know back home who like ask me for like video game advice. like. Maybe they'll want to try mine, but I don't think they would want to drop five hundred. I mean, I, plenty. Most of them haven't even upgraded to PS Four yet. I know.
0: And think about this. So, this holiday will probably be the holiday where everyone does really upgrade. Yeah. Because we're starting to see, like we talked about earlier, about one, like a lot of old gen versions are being dropped. Like, Grand Theft Auto Five has stopped giving DLC to last gen. There's no campaigning Black Ops Three on last gen. I feel like this holiday season will be the year where yeah. everyone's finally like, all right, I am le- I'm getting left behind here. I'm going to buy it. So all these people, and it'll be the vast majority that who end up owning this console, because technically we're still kind of the early adopters. Like it's been yeah. a, a huge early adoption period, but when it's all said and done, these consoles are going to have like 60, 70, 100 million out there in install base. And right now we're sitting at like 20. So the bulk of the install base still has not bought the consoles mm. yet so you figure this holiday a lot of them do they've just spent 400 dollars because i'm guessing they're not going to drop the price for the holidays for a playstation 4. probably not i mean they just dropped it in japan but that just brought it up to scratch with the u.s price so i don't see them dropping the price this holiday so you have all these people who just spent 400 dollars on a playstation 4 and here three months later comes playstation vr and so they're gonna be like, well, wait a minute! I just spent four hundred dollars on this console, and now you're asking me for another four hundred bucks? You want me to spend eight hundred dollars on the PlayStation ecosystem in the span of like a quarter, like three or four months? Like, well, I can say that's a really hard sell.
1: They, you know, Oculus and Sony better be ready for the long
0: haul on this one. because I'm is... interested to know what their targets are. Like, yeah. What is their target? Like, if if Sony says, well, our target is to move half a million worldwide in the first year, I can maybe see him getting to that. Maybe thousand not terrible, you know. Maybe though, maybe. like I'm not 100 percent confident that that's going to happen. Depending on what you've got for it, you well, know? Like, based upon what we've seen so far, 500 might be a stretch because there's no killer app. No, not for either of them really. There's no killer app for either one of them.
1: I still say. I mean, I know they've said no, we're not. But I still say uh, No Man's Sky is your killer app for them. But for the now they're saying VR. that
0: like No Man's Sky may not be in VR.
1: I think they're lying. I, I think, hope I, they're I lying. I cannot imagine
0: the first thing I think when I see that game is put it in VR. Well, I thought it, right out of the gate that that's what they said it was, that it was going to be basically a VR game. But now the developers are saying, well, it might come out for VR. It might, might not be. You know, I think you're crazy if you don't do that.
1: Like that, that is the game that like would you know, as someone, the first you know, real modern, you know, the first time I used the Oculus in any form was playing. Uh, that uh, EVE Online dogfighting game yeah. you know, at E3 a couple of years ago. And, yeah, I mean, instantly. It's multi-platform. It. It's for a yeah. PlayStation
0: VR and for Oculus. Or it could be. Because it's yeah. also a PC game, which people always forget. Like, No Man's Sky is not a it's PlayStation on 4 PC, exclusive. also yeah. same day. Yeah. yeah.
1: But, like... Like you can you imagine if they don't do that? I mean, that seems. I mean, I don't think that's a killer app totally because there's still only too many X it's factors. It's the closest thing to it though. But it's the closest thing that you look at and you're like, man, that would be awesome, awesome in, VR. in VR. Yeah. You know and you know I mean I don't know what the what the holdup is there because I've seen the same interviews with the developer where he's like, mm, maybe I don't know. You know yeah. who knows? But like
0: if I'm Sony, I would basically be throwing money at them. For yeah. That. Because otherwise, what is going to move this hardware? Maybe that you maybe, spent. How much, how many R&D dollars have they spent on PlayStation Or maybe VR? that's
1: what, maybe that's what exactly the conflict that you just brought up. Maybe Sony wants that in VR on the PlayStation 4, but they want to try to stop them from putting it in VR on the PC. Could be. And maybe, maybe there are just... Maybe Hello Games doesn't want to do that.
0: And maybe Oculus, maybe there's a bidding war going on right now between Oculus and Sony to yeah. have that VR exclusive to their platform. I mean, who knows? If I were one of those parties, I would, I would definitely be trying to do that, to do that for yeah. sure. <laughs> I would definitely, because you're right, it is really the only game that we kind of, I thought we were told was going to be VR, but we at least, at the very least, assumed was going to be mm-hmm. in VR, that really, had to me, had a chance to move hardware and move platforms. Yeah. Like, I am,
1: you know, especially if that game is good, Like if you know if, if No Man's Sky came out and it was great and I loved it, I would very seriously consider a VR device to play it and make it better.
0: Yeah, for me. Uh, that would get me close.
1: Yeah, it would. It would. You know, it would only take a couple of. You know, maybe it would take. You know, the Insomniac game and the Epic game being really good
0: to push me over the edge. After yeah. That, you know, man, I'm really starting to wonder if VR is going to fall on his face, man. It might... I am really starting to get nervous about it.
1: It might It might be the Virtual Boy all over
0: again. See, I felt like this Oculus event was really their chance. It's like, it wasn't a part of E3 or it gets swallowed up. Like, it is their own press conference. And Well, like, the, the thing is, I think... They showed should... a montage of, like, 20 games, and they showed, like, 10 seconds of each one. Like, they yeah. didn't have a game where they were like, look at this! And they spent, like, an hour talking about, like, the technical part of it, which was, like, even for me, I was starting to nod <laughs> off watching it, like...
1: I think the problem is, is, I think we're in a very ground level world with this technology here it's like going back to 1995 when the playstation one launched and like you know they had everybody had to figure you know the early 3d cards everybody had to figure out how to do 3d games you know yeah they looked and, awful yeah and at least then though you know you could you could demonstrate that fi- appropriately by just showing people what it looked like you remember the the old uh the old next gen cover of right. Unreal. This is yeah. an actual PC game screenshot kind yeah. of and now you look at it and you're just like, ooh. Yeah. It's like yeah. but, um, but I remember when that magazine came out and I'm just like, and everyone in my dorm was like, there's no way. It there's no way real. a game looks that yeah, good. Yeah, there's exactly, no way, bro. You know, so, yeah. and, and of course now you look at it and you're just like, yeah, this I <laughs> if this was on 3DS, I'd make fun of right, it. Right, you know? right. But like with VR, the problem with VR is there's just no way to demonstrate it to someone without putting that that goggles on them you know and like you can't sh- you know i mean they're showing kind of this you know attempt to show them in 3d and like the two images yeah. that kind of thing it's like how do you do that how do you show because so- when i put those things on and played that dog fighting game i got it yeah, yeah i'm like you oh right away. Yeah, yeah for sure but i mean i get do you set up kiosks and best buys and walmarts and have them try it that way and like pass headlights around everybody or like what <laughs> exactly, i mean you know, dude, like- i know it's like it's such a hard thing. It's almost like it's almost like do you bring back door to door salesmen? Like what do you do to get yeah, people to like put the this people thing? who sell vacuum
0: cleaners? Yeah, like <laughs> what do you
1: do to get people to put this thing on their face? Because
0: that's what you need to really do to get people to believe. And so, if you I mean, think about it, like you're you put this a kiosk in like Best Buy. If I, if you walked into a Best Buy, would you put that headset on? Probably not. I would not. I would not put that headset on. Like, I'm not a germaphobe or anything. Me neither. But but I don't like like getting sick. No, but it's (laughs) like it's like I'm. I mean, I don't know for
1: sure. I'm not. I'm not a you know doctor, but like. I'm pretty sure you could pass pink eye back and forth oh, yeah. doing <laughs> that, you know, like if someone's rubbing their thing against, yeah, yeah, yeah. against putting the, you know, not even intentionally. It's right. like, yeah. So yeah, I probably wouldn't do that, but, but I also you'd have don't... to
0: have an attendant working in the Best Buy 24/7. Yeah, we're like wiping them down. Wiping it down and would yeah. be like people, a theme park ride. You would. You have to have yeah. somebody there who would like put it on and make sure it's like all sized correctly and tightened yeah. down where it needs. And to like
1: be. maybe maybe you do. Maybe Oculus pays for that. Yeah, maybe like, maybe yeah. you send out people that kind of run those booths. For them. I mean,
0: it's a big enough bet.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, I wonder, what do you do for the early adopters? Because frankly, your early adopters are your PR company. It if is, the, yeah. you, know, for, you know, especially yeah. for Oculus, where it's like, what's the most effective advertising this this thing's going to have? It's going to be the people who plunk down the five hundred bucks day one, letting their friends try it.
0: Because I feel like Sony does have an advantage with their brand there. It's like people know True. PlayStation. They're like PlayStation Four, PlayStation VR. Yeah. They're like. Oculus? Well, what's that? And like, What does that work with? Wasn't that a horror movie? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) And a pretty good one, I might add. But, uh, I don't know, Matt. I'm really starting to get concerned about this. These are big bets on Sony's part and Facebook's part. Um, I mean, the one thing you can say is both these corporations have enough money to promote them and to make them a success if they really put enough into it. Um, The other question becomes, you know, splitting up PlayStation's development resources and Maybe they're getting rid of Vita so that they can concentrate on PlayStation VR. Maybe they're going to start taking all those resources and put them over into PlayStation VR. So, I don't know. Right now, I'm really Maybe they're just hoping
1: to sell off all those unsold Move controllers.
0: Yeah, that could be. (laughs) But here's the thing. The longer I know about VR, the less confident I am that it's going to be a success. When I first heard about Morpheus and Oculus, I'm like, it is going to do gangbusters. It's going to be huge. It's going to be the next big thing. And as time has gone on... It was going to be half a grand. Yeah, yeah. And as time has gone on, I have become less confident in the success of both of those headsets. And you start throwing in, like, all the other ones. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like, six headsets that are in development right now. And if you start confusing people with these kind of cut-rate headsets and, like... They all kind of look the same. They do all look the same. Like, the only one that looks really different is PlayStation VR. Yeah. And maybe that's just because it's white. hmm <laughs> But for whatever reason, it is kind of distinctive. But you look at all the other PC headsets, they all look like Oculus. And even the ones for mobile, it looks like Oculus. So, I don't know. I think at this point, I think it's too close to
1: call. And I would frankly flip a coin. You know, I, don't, I just don't know. I'm sure someone out there in market research has a better idea than I do. But I don't know one way or the other how A, the general public feels about VR. And B, whether they five hundred dollars feel about it. Yeah. You know, I, I just don't know what to think about that. In the same way that, you know, the same way the Sega CD and the Turbo CD and all you know, when CD games were becoming the new thing, it's like, yes, everybody played Myst, but then we waited for like four years until something else worthwhile yeah, came yeah. along. You know, and is and I'll tell you this much: uh, the VR things need to come. You, you, they better come with some cool shit, and they better be coming with stuff that's better than the modern equivalent of Sewer Shark.
0: Yeah, so. yeah. Alright, we'll see. It's time to move on to the next topic of the Big Six, and this one I wanted to talk about, Matt, because both you and I have worked in the television industry for well over a decade, almost two decades, actually. Uh, We're old. Both of us worked at multiple TV networks and have a lot of experience with it, and I think this is a topic that's come up this week that I think a lot of people who just play games don't really have a good understanding of because mm-hmm. they haven't worked in television or film. And so basically what's happened is the, a lot of the voice actors have threatened to go on strike a lot of the people who work for SAG and maybe Mm -hmm. Matt you can fill in our viewers on what SAG is and how it works
1: well uh SAG is the screen actors guild and basically they're the actors union and they uh set rules minimum minimum payments for you know various types of work and when people talk about you know someone got paid scale that means they got paid the SAG minimum for doing that kind of work so like voice actors have, you know, if you do eight hours of work as a voice actor, you have to get paid this amount or more, and it's just a way to make sure that they're all, you know, taken care of, essentially, because it's a it's a competitive business, and, and they deal with residuals and royalties and, you know, that kind of thing, so that the uh, the actors don't have to
0: negotiate that all on their own. Yep, and another thing that we should probably add is SAG is kind of a polarizing topic in entertainment, because mm-hmm. there are what's called union houses so to speak where there are certain networks and and cable companies who will only work with sag employees mm-hmm. now at viacom and mtv we were allowed to work with non-sag employees and same at g4 but there are some networks where they're only sag and there's a lot of films that are only sag yeah, most so, films I was right saying, yeah. and so if you're not a part of the screen actors guild you're actually cutting yourself off to a lot of work but on the flip side of that if you are in sag like When we worked at MTV, if someone would tell us, yeah, I'm in the union, we would actually kind of shy away from working with them, because you knew that that brought with it all this other garbage. Mm -hmm. Because you couldn't just say, okay, what's your day rate? Here's your day rate. How many days did you work? You worked three? Here's three times your day rate. Off you go, here's your check. With SAG, there's a lot more paperwork that's involved. You generally have to pay people a lot more money, because they have to recoup the money they're spending representing these people, essentially. And so it's a very kind of polarizing thing in entertainment. And what we've seen of late is that voice actors have been joining SAG. And so mm. these voice actors who work in games are looking around at all the perks and all the great things that, like, the actors get when they work with SAG, and they're getting salty. I mean, that's really the best way to put it. Mm. And so one of the things that bothered me the most is one of their demands is they want hazard pay. And so, so hazard pay is, is like... Basically, given to people who are like stuntmen or people who are in action films where there's a chance of them getting injured or a stray squib going off wrong and poking their eye out or whatever. It's basically, you know, some people when they act, they are putting themselves in danger. A voice actor going into a VO booth, they're saying, oh, well, if you scream and you lose your voice, like they're saying that's hazard pay. Now, look, we were just showing some footage of Nolan North like doing mocap for mm-hmm. Uncharted 4. And in that sense, I kind of get it because he's a lot more active and he's actually acting out the roles and jumping around on props and things like that. But the vast majority of voice actors literally go into a soundproof room, read into a microphone, and go home. And so, Matt, how do you feel about this? Do you think that these gaming voice actors should be striking? I mean, it looks like they're going to strike. Um,
1: here's the thing. I I pretty much agree with them. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, they have a good point, and I know you know a lot of people like the counter to that is like, well, these guys come in and they read their lines and they do the grunts and the screaming, and yeah, they can hurt themselves doing that. But still, well, what about the developers that work eighty hours of crunch right. every week and all that? And I think that's just and sit re- in a chair yeah. for and ten hours a day. that's not wrong, but it's also the relative privation fallacy, you know. Yeah. And it's like, um. And, and, you know, while I certainly sympathize with the developers and if I had some kind of, you know, omnipotent power, I would give the developers, you know, fair working conditions first, I would say, because they have it worse. Um, if there's an opportunity to fix this with the voice actors, it should be taken and it's like the reason it's happening is because they're part of a union, you know, and the union's getting them this, you know, theoretically. I mean, and also it's like the strike could force a really interesting co- conflict where, you know, okay, well now Nolan North can't do our game anymore does anyone care it's like I'm a big voice actor fan I love voice actors I feel like voice
0: acting is really important it's very very important
1: will Sony feel that you know Uncharted won't sell without
0: without uh, Nolan North as a voice do you think it would do you think it would make any difference in its sales if Nolan North was not the voice of Drake I don't think it would I don't think it would either um, I don't think it would affect sales one iota. I don't because I don't think people know. I don't think people know either. Well, people would play. It we like, know pe- because we we're know, crazy but yeah. otaku. But, but like average person <laughs> who buys
1: games, like they have the, no clue. What in terms of North The is. voice actors. I mean, you know, the ha- hazard is a bad word. I mean, I know that's what it's called, so they have right. to use the it's terminology. It's just the verbiage
0: that they use. But it's
1: like the the, the idea. You know, and they want residuals and they want you know a share in like kind of the profits and stuff. And people, you know, on on the surface, you kind of look look at that and you're like, well, that's ridiculous. Like, why would a guy who does like two days
0: of work want to you know deserve anything like that but, i mean look i'd be willing to give them residuals if it's like a penny like well, so, i mean they're looking even for like a legitimate cut like, but I even that
1: right. like you know okay let's say you get a penny per copy sold right what if you do gta yeah gta sells 15 million copies yeah, you can still make a, little that's money a lot of money yeah. you know and like even if you work at a system where it's paid over time you know not necessarily all at once or whatever um I bring up GTA because the guy who did GTA 4's main character like had a whole lawsuit with them. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we yeah. actually
0: had him on invisible walls. He came in and did mm-hmm. a whole episode with us. But
1: like what I'm saying is like there's two things for, and then this, this goes, you know, Sag does this, talks about this because this is true of re, you know, screen actors as well. Um you know, let's say you go in there and you do hurt your voice. Let's yeah. say you, they do make you scream too long or whatever, and you and you know and and you know I know enough voice actors that they come out of those some of those sessions and they can't talk for a day. Yeah. And like you know, Troy Baker, uh, you know, doesn't wear that scarf entirely for show. you know? right. it's a, it, You got to protect your throat. You got to protect your voice and all that. What if and sometimes something like that can happen. You come out of that and your voice is a little different. It didn't heal right. You know, right. there's something wrong. Maybe you need surgery. Maybe you, you know, maybe you have polyps on your vocal cords. That can happen too. It happens to singers as well. And what if that changes how your voice works? What if you can't hit the range you used to? What if
0: you don't get the work you used to? And now your career's kind of, it kind of over. is kind of hard to figure out, though, what was the tipping point? Like, it could just be it, that you have kids at home and you're yelling at your kids. And, but, like, like
1: no, no professional voice actor is going to do that, though. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like the, the guy, you know, the in-world guy, the, the, um, uh, Don, Don LaFontaine. Like, he wouldn't talk. Yeah. at home if he had a job like the next day right, you know like right. like these guys take care of their instrument you know sure. they, they take care it's of their just voice. like a singer yeah but there's just like any instrument or any professional athlete or anything if you if you know the disaster can strike and your career can be cut short and all of a sudden your income is gone yeah you know and you have to have that you know and the sag is kind of there for that safety net for them and so to me um while i understand the arguments against it like to me it's like hey these you know people like Nolan North, Troy Baker, Tara Strong, uh you know uh you know um Pretty much Je- Jennifer Hale for games all these people I and mean, yeah. if you,
0: you watch these docs that we're showing right now like yeah <laughs> everybody does voice over for games they video all do it now. and like and but especially the professional voice act you know yeah. not not just like
1: the celebrities who do voices in games but i mean like the Nolan Norths, the Jennifer yeah. Hales the, the people who have been there since the beginning the right. Cam Clarks you know like the, I would hate that. If, what, what if something happened to Jennifer Hale's voice, and all of a sudden she can't work anymore? And she has to find yeah. a new career. Like I feel like of, you know, you, you have this veterancy of building up this body of work, and it should benefit you in some way. In the same way that that film film does and television does. I know people that still get royalty checks for commercials they did in 2001. I oh, mean longer than that, man. Yeah, but it's like and. And it's you know it's still this it's still performance it's still art it still takes years of training it still takes months of negotiation and phone call you know everybody's working really hard to make you know, get those gigs and perform those gigs and do them right and you know I think as someone who grew up in the '80s with a lot of those cartoon shows that to this day stick in my head like Transformers and GI Joe and Thundercats like those were basically radio shows yeah, and they they, they, were, they really yeah. ran on you know the animation was terrible and them. you go back and you watch these shows and I'm like. It looks so much better in my memory, and the oh, reason yeah. is because you your basically imagination. your imagination. Yeah. You were basically watching a radio show with pictures, yeah. and these guys were you know super professionals from back in the day, and they you know the you know the, the voice director that kind of changed things in the 80s was a man named Wally Burr who directed. Uh, G.I. Joe, Transformers, all those Sunbow cartoons, and he like took these guys who normally would come in to do like a Hanna Barbera cartoon for like two hours and be like, "Oh, i was just gonna do that, and I'm gonna go two more, do two more commercials later." Cartoons are just free two hours of money, right? And he'd be like, "No, we're gonna be here all day. you are gonna figure out your your character. You're gonna understand your motivation. We're gonna reread it until you get it right. We're gonna do it. We're all yeah. gonna do it together in a certain, like a play read and all this stuff." And he changed how voice actors yeah. voice acting was done, and that the way his style of voice acting went straight into how uh voice acting for games is done and you're absolutely right and he directs game direct game projects to this day in voice acting The man's 92 and still doing it that's awesome and you know and this i think especially in the early days like playstation you know like metal gear solid one imagine metal gear solid one without that voice cast that entire voice cast are is made up of gods of voice acting you know been in a hundred things and you know, I think while they are a, they work a very short period on a game, they are very instrumental in keeping those you know bringing those games to life, sticking them in your head, and making them memorable. I so, think the tricky yeah. part
0: is figuring out what that cut is.
1: Yeah, that is tricky because of like I think it's very easy to look at like the game industry is like the game industry is bigger than movies. Right. Like, of course, we should get tons of money. It's like, but you know, there's a I, I that pie is cut up in so many different slivers that somewhere in there you're going to have to take away from something. Well, it's something. also
0: completely different in how it's distributed in its distribution model because yeah. it's like a game comes out, it sells, it's done. Maybe later on down the road it's on some downloadable service or whatever, but when you talk about mm. TV and film, so you you make the film and you get that initial rush of the the ticket sales at theaters, mm. then it gets sold to HBO, then it makes the rounds on Showtime. Then it goes to a major network on NBC or CBS. Then it goes to a small cable company. Then it gets syndicated. And then you do the same thing with TV shows. You have your big debut. You rerun it a few times. Eventually you sell off the whole lot of the shows for syndication. And it's airing on all these little dinky TV networks all around America. Like, One, you need someone like SAG to keep track of that. Yes. But the model for games is so different that it's really hard to compare. It's like comparing apples to oranges when you're talking about games versus films and television Mm -hmm. and so i don't know what the equation is i will say one thing you have persuaded my opinion i was kind of on the fence on this and i will say that what the things that you just said completely persuaded me over to it's a good thing that they're in a union i just think that there's a lot of gray area in there yeah i think there's a lot of work to be done
1: in terms of figuring out how to fairly do it and how to fairly balance it and how to make sure that you're you know, you're not, like, damaging the game production process. You're not doing anything like that. But, like, it's there. You know, you've got the initial rush of, of sales when the game
0: is released. You have the uh initial- And look, EA just came out yeah. last week and was like, hey, we're thinking about doing, like, a Netflix for games that will be... Games from every publisher, yeah. not just us. So. And think about
1: you know, and now you've got the you know the second rush when the when the price drops the first time. You've got the, the holiday rush when the first holiday season comes around. You've got the, the rush from sales from Steam sales when the game's about a year old. And then the I guess from now on, when they remaster the game next yeah. gen,
0: <laughs> you know they're the probably right. going to keep the
1: voice acting. The times they so, are changing. Yeah. yeah. So I think you know it's like you know is Nolan North getting paid again for the Uncharted collection? Because I feel like he should. He
0: probably is. Yeah. I mean, but that's the thing is like, you know. But actually, par- probably part of, not. Probably not. Yeah, maybe he not. probably signed the contract when he first did that. Yeah. And it was like maybe in perpetuity. Maybe if he is,
1: I would imagine. If, if those actors are getting paid again, it might just be because Naughty Dog feels the need to treat them fairly because they've been working together for so long. But, but, but like, even I, they may not be under any contract. And that's part of, I think, what Sagas would be responsible for doing is making yeah. sure that these contracts that these actors sign, um, you know, stipulate stuff. Because like, that's what happened with um, Silent Hill 2. Was the guy who did the voice of uh james in silent hill 2. that's why he had to be re-recorded in the silent hill hd collection which was a mess and all the other other way back. but they had to re-record him because the the contract that guy signed basically said like i'm doing this for this game and that's it and like you know you and they had no rights to use that for any further releases
0: so most contracts though and look even if you come and do something for sifted even our performer releases say like whatever you do we are allowed to do whatever we want with after that. Mm-hmm. Like, but, we, of course, we're not union. Oh, right, right, so. So. <laughs> right. But we, we used to have to sign a contract because people right. could come back and sue you and say, oh, I didn't say you could do that. And so you have to get their name on a dotted line with mm-hmm. a contract. And that's exactly what happened with uh, Silent Hill 2. Right. And, like, you know, but it was kind of that thing, like, but you, I, but I don't know. What I was getting at is, that, like, we have the rights to do whatever we want with that. Like, we can mm-hmm. take the voiceover that we just recorded with you. And, like, I can make a rap song out of it or whatever. Like, you can just... Good luck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I'm just <laughs> using that as an example. Like, yeah. you essentially sign away that recording for the publication yeah. or the outlet of the network In or the film studio. throughout the universe. Right. And that's exactly what it says. Yeah. Like, until, like, the end of time or whatever. Yeah. So it's a... Uh... It's not an easy answer, and you know, games and films and television are completely different. I think we we actually kind of missed touching on that when we were talking about eight forty six. Is you know the big mm-hmm. difference between experiencing something and versus being a passive participant to it. But even more than that, the industries themselves and the distribution and all that so different. So you've convinced me, Matt. I feel like SAG <laughs> coming into games is a good thing
1: now. And I think you know I don't know how that works. I don't know where the crossover could be. But you know, the more that kind of Deals like that and awareness of that kind of practice comes into games. Maybe we can move towards getting the developers themselves a fairer deal. It's you true. know, I mean, maybe the voice actors, if they win this battle, can try to help. Maybe on that all the front. developers make because, their own union. Yeah, that's true. Which I mean,
0: they probably should have done probably, a long time there's al- ago. Well, there's
1: always been the fear of like you know any you know if you unionize, well, what's stopping them from just hiring a bunch of 18 year old kids that can code? and desperately want to work on video games. Because they
0: can't They can't make the games. They're not good enough.
1: At this point, I think the productions, you know, the AAA productions are probably big enough that it would be trying to bring in like a high school film class to direct the Michael Bay movie. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> like, I don't think you can really make that jump without some kind of... You can't. ...training.
0: Yeah, you, you can't. Know? And so, so they got the, them by the cojones. So like, maybe, this
1: is the, maybe this is the
0: time. I mean, the thing that sucks about unions, and I worked in a factory for about six months one time that was union, mm. and, uh... There's all kinds of other issues that get involved when you start working with a union. Like yeah. people come up to me and be like, "You're working too hard. You're working too fast." The people who were in the union, I wasn't. I was a temp. <laughs> so they come up and be like, "You're working too fast. Like slow it down. You're making all the union people here look bad." Like that's the part of unions that things start to get a little funky. Mm-hmm. But uh, SAG really isn't like that. It's not like you're working in a sweaty mill whenever yeah. you work for SAG. So. A lot of the uh,
1: you know SAG. I mean SAG does a lot of other things, but a lot some of that comes from you know the old days when like you'd have these stars in the old movies and like and then like you know 20 years later you'd hear like oh that person who was like a big star like they're broke and they live in like a home for retired actors and they have no family no friends it's like you know they they drank their their money away like it's kind of there as a safety net for these people who like Make a living off of their face yeah. make a living you know it, it's a weird business, and
0: it doesn't have a great 401 k
1: <laughs> it doesn't have a 401k right. so, so but the, that's
0: why if people are responsible they get financial advisors who set right. up an ira for them and blah 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 so
1: and and you know and, and, uh, an entertainment unit can help with that I mean the, the you know, yeah, writers' sure. Guild is like the producers guild directors guild it's all that you know and especially because it's such specialized editor's Guild, it's such specialized um talents you know it's hard to kind of Monetize. It. It's hard to tell yeah. someone what oh, the value this, is. This, yeah. this nebulous creative thing I can do is worth this much a day, you yeah. know. And like, if you have this group that gets together and kind of says it's worth this much, and that's what you will pay people, and that's it. Yeah. Like it makes it. I think it, it, it eliminates a lot of conflict. It too. helps
0: plan budgets. That's for sure.
1: For sure. <laughs> I, exactly. Like if like, you're going to make a movie, you know that this is going to cost this. Yep. And Which then, is why a lot of films are sag.
0: Yeah. And unionized. So, so
1: I, I. mean, I support it. I. I don't think it's the only injustice to be ironed out in this industry but like i think at least it's a starting point for someone
0: all right so let's move on to the last topic of the big six and it is halo 5 this week tons of halo 5 previews coming out Uh, they had like an event where people were able to play two missions of the campaign and play some multiplayer um we're going to start by talking about the campaign Okay. so were you able to watch some of the footage from the campaign? Yeah, I watched uh, the
1: opening cinematic, and I watched um, some of the. Some of uh, IGN played the first two levels and put it up, and I watched uh, game trailers. Uh, played uh, kind of a recap of everything. Yep. Um, I didn't play it myself, obviously, yep. but uh, you know it, it's it's an interesting change up. From uh, the previous games, I mean, they are doing the two perspective things. So I think one level was Master Chief, and the other level was Locke, uh, Locke, Lock yeah. and his team, which yep. is, which includes uh, Nathan Fillion reprising right. his role as Buck, yep. from ODST, uh, which is interesting to see. Kind of, it's interesting a to see crossover, kind of, from a little ODST. crossover, but it's also like interesting to see Mass, uh, Mass Effect, Master Chief. Um, Kind of reintegrating into the real world again after being missing in halo 4 you know? see i don't
0: like that that's the thing i do not like about the campaign i do not like that the campaigns co-op i don't like the idea of like master chief like busting off one-liners to the people playing with him and like hamming it up like did you think he was doing that A little bit, yeah. And maybe not so much in the footage that we've seen so far. It's more the fear that it's a possibility for this to happen. Like, I Mm. enjoy being... Master Chief don't need backup, is what I'm getting at. (laughs) Like, he doesn't need help. Like, he is the one-man army. The guy who takes on... Insurmountable odds but you, and comes out
1: winning. You don't think that that's going to be like a theme? Because like, I mean, at the very beginning of that, of the opening cutscene, it's just it's the other Spartans saying like he's working too hard. He's, it's just mission, mission, mission. And I, you know, I have no proof of this. I don't, but but I'm like, but I feel I'm like, like
0: they're trying to create like this emotional depth where there is none. Like Master Chief is a killing machine. Like he's not this like. Sappy, like heartfelt cat. I don't want him to be that. I want to be, when I play Halo, I want to be the killing machine. But like- he is a
1: killing machine, but he's just a repressed killing machine. <laughs> I mean- and, he's- and he lost Cortana. Isn't that what this is about? Is like he lost the one person, he... he-, he- one friend he had, and now he's Which just. Which wasn't sort of- even a person. Right. And now he's throwing himself into his work. <laughs> and-, yeah. and so this is, you know, and the question becomes like, what, you know, obviously this is going to come to loggerheads with Locke in right. some way. Yeah. And you got to wonder what happens here to make Locke his antagonist and, and what was the and how does it tie in with uh what was the other the live action uh trailer where they where, oh, they, where he's was dead. A, the news report about how he he's died dead, yeah which initially which, ha-
0: look can be total bull crap because we've been right. down this road before with with Bungie even well, they kill him like every other game right at this point. yeah he's dead no he's alive <laughs> no he's, he's dead. dead no
1: he, he warped through time and space it's like <laughs> whatever yeah it's, it's halo um, I I don't know. Like, why are we fighting the Covenant again? Yeah, I... is that because the Forerunners showed up again, so now they like, renewed their vows, or like I what's going know. on? I've i have gotta...
0: honestly kind of lost track of the Halo plot at this point because I'm... really all I care about is that there's tons of enemies and Master Chief needs to kill them all. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm to... talking about. Like, I feel like it's getting away from the core of what Halo is. Well, I think a lot
1: of it's getting away from the. Core. I mean, look at how it. You know, not to jump to the multiplayer. Nice but segue. It, but it's in. It's in. Uh, <laughs> It's in campaign as well. But, I mean, you unlimited sprint, you've got like you can cl- like clamber up ledges, look down you, sights. You can look down sights on all guns. Yep. Um Although it is interesting, you look down sights on all the guns, but if you get hit, you get it's, it's supposed to be a connection between the Spartan helmet and the gun. Right. So, but if you get hit while you're in, that you get knocked out of the of the look it's like down sights. like flinching and other shooters. So, it, yeah. Like, yeah. So, like basically, cover fire means something in Halo now. Yeah. Um, and you can do the, the you know the running uh, the running punch or the running like ram thing. You you have like the, the the jet backpack, and it's not and you have any of the ground slam. I mean, you have a lot of the abilities that used to be yeah, the like Spartan kind of, abilities, Spartan abilities, abilities but in everybody in the has them now. You don't right. have to. Equip them, um, and and watching like the arena footage, like well, let's talk about let's talk about Warzone first. Warzone, okay. Yeah. But watching this the footage because in you're this talking game,
0: about like what's changing and Warzone. The multiplayer yeah. Warzone is the biggest change. Yeah, but the, just in general, the gameplay is so fast. Oh yeah, in this. for sure. So Warzone is twelve teams of twelve, two teams of twelve, and it basically borrows like something from every shooter ever. <laughs> so basically how it works is it's like a capture and a hold where you have to go and you capture a point and then you hold it you get points for holding it blah 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 team with the most points at the end wins the, the round or whatever but where it really gets mixed up is how the weapons in the game work so basically instead of like a typical halo where all the weapons are just laying out like you have your loadout, but then the weapons are laying out on the map and you can go pick them up if you want to and there's Big battles built around like those weapon locations. Basically, how the weapons work and the vehicles work in this mode is you have to like earn them, and you can earn them during with your play during the match. You have these cards that you collect that will give you, and they're mm-hmm. like one-use items. So, mm-hmm. so you have this kick-ass. They're not all are one-use. Like armor colors and stuff like that last forever, and then, like I think the battle rifle and the assault rifle last forever. But like all the specialist weapons and the vehicles and everything, they're like one-offs. So you use it, you die, say you spawn, and you're like, okay, I'm going to choose to use my sniper rifle, this awesome sniper card that I have right now. You use it, if you walk out and get killed, it's gone. You can't use it again for that match. So, they're also tying in like like real-world payments into these cards. You can buy the cards, and to me that just immediately is like a pay-to-win scenario, because you can pay money to get better weapons than the people who are not spending money, so I mean, this is their big mode. Look, the, the, the team, ba- the big team battle, that is not going to be there at launch. There is no traditional Halo multiplayer options no in Blood Halo Gulch. Five at launch. None. You wow. cannot just start playing Team Slayer the way you've always played Team Slayer in Halo Five. You can't do it. They're saying it's coming later. They won't say when. This is like this is a default mode. Warzone is a default mode. We'll get to arena in a second, but now they are
1: pushing Warzone as their
0: main. It is the main game. mode yeah. because we'll, again, we'll get to arena in a second, but arena is 4 on 4. So, if you want to play like a legitimate Halo game, like this is it. Warzone is the mode until mm-hmm. they finally release the big team battle DLC. How do you feel about that, Matt? Like not being able to just pick up Halo 5 and play what you have learned to be Halo for the last 15 years or so? Um, I think it's weird. It's uh, really weird.
1: I'm more interested in Warzone because I, I feel like I'm kind of over the Halo thing. And see, right now you're reading? seeing
0: like the. Re- it's called the Wreck system. And yeah. here you're seeing like. This looks all just the vehicle- like Force of Six. Yeah, it does. Well, surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> but. So, yeah, you, you can't just play the game the way you want to. It's all governed by this Wreck system where you earn or buy or whatever all your armaments and all your vehicles. I mean, imagine if you, you spawn a vehicle, and you pull out, and there's someone sitting there with a rocket, and it just blows it up right away. Like, <laughs> imagine uh, if you paid real money for that. Right, exactly. Well, I think, like, I think every I match would. they reset is just, like, one per match. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you pay, like, real money for that card, and then okay. you use it once, and it's, like, gone forever. Like, I think it's, you can just use it once per match. So it's match. not like Burton cards in Titanfall. Right, right, Yeah at least I don't think so don't quote me on that maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong on that but that would be insane if that were the case I mean I'm
1: sure there's probably abilities that you can only use once or maybe, maybe there's like a it's like you know Titanfall had things where it's like oh you can burn this card and like have um, you know a, one re- a really good
0: enhanced version of the pistol for one, one match or right and look like if, it, if it's not a big sacrifice to get the card it's not a big deal but if I'm spending real money on something that sucker better be reusable yeah. that's all I gotta say not that I'd ever spend real money on anything in this game but man I don't know like I just, this is a huge risk by them to do this. Huge. Yeah, I mean,
1: if you're really gonna like, and I wonder how known this is. Like, are people gonna load this thing up and be like, "Where's the, where's the multiplayer? Where's like, Team where's, Slayer? Where's Team yeah. Slayer? Where's Blood Gulch? Yeah, you know, where's, where is, where's Hang 'em High? Where, where's all these maps? Where's all these, you know, the, the big vehicle based combat? Because the, because Arena doesn't have vehicles. Yep. Like, there's no way to just play that and like i'm probably not going to miss it too much because i played halo so much that i'm more interested in these new things but in terms of people who just want to buy halo and play halo like that seems like a really weird omission but
0: Matt, think about like how angry people get over stupid crap like the pistol like Mm -hmm. most people who play halo they do care about that stuff well i
1: think there's a lot of question about you know you know, again, like the gameplay in this game looks a lot more like Call of Duty than it Halo does, in a yeah. lot of places. You it know, especially like with the dodge thing that like is basically straight out of Advanced Warfare.
0: Yep, and it's just the aim down sights. Yeah, alone makes it changed well because
1: that was always like one of the main differences with halo was like you can't aim down sights except with certain wet with the scoped weapons and now and look, people
0: have been pissed off about that too like yeah. and so we're talking about those little things you start talking about the big things like not being able to play the mode you've been playing for forever on the maps that you've been playing on forever that you're really good at and you want mm-hmm. to flex your muscles on like like are they trying to esports this thing that's well that's what we'll get to that that's what arena mode is mm-hmm. and actually that segues nicely i think we're ready to move on to the arena mode and so Arena mode is 4 on 4, you die you're done. So you got one life per round. Now that's one of the modes. That is uh breakout. I thought the whole mode was set
1: up that way. No, Arena's got four modes. It's like normal, team slayer, uh capture the flag, uh breakout and like a and like a I think like a king of the hill kind of thing. Oh,
0: I thought it was all It's a ca- No, die and no you're it's done.
1: four different modes in in Arena. Or at least this is what they said in the game trailer's rundown was there's regular de- Team Deathmatch, there's uh, Capture the Flag, there's like a Conquest kind of thing except you only get points if your team is controlling two or more locations. Uh, and then there's uh, Breakout which is like SWAT. It's like a new version of SWAT where like nobody has shields and it's a tiny, tiny map and you have to... And, like e- yeah, and The death and, is permanent. Like, yeah, you, I don't you think the death
0: lap. though is, is easy. As SWAT. Because SWAT, literally, you got shot once you died.
1: Yeah, you can take, like, three shots oh. in this one. Yeah, I
0: thought I, I remember um, reading it. Though. But,
1: yeah, Arena, you can do, like, a standard Slayer, in, in, but it's still only four players, and they're tiny, tiny maps, and there's no... Yeah, they're
0: special maps, too. They're yeah. not, like, maps that are used in the rest of the multiplayer.
1: No, and a lot of the impressions... I mean, obviously, I haven't played them, but a lot, all the impressions I saw from the various outlets were that uh, the maps are all very similar.
0: Yeah. See, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with arena mode as this mm-hmm. little kind of thing on its side that's made right. for esports and like if I wanna dive go over there and dabble in it I can as long as I know the other stuff, the foundation mm-hmm. is there. But I feel like
1: that Halo experience of like loading up in a warthog and driving across those open areas yeah. and like looking for the snipers and what you're gonna run into and what's you know that that whole Think kind about of it. A somebody traversal spawns the vehicle you're not
0: driving that vehicle. They're, and, yeah. and they're driving it. Or if they, you're not going to be in, in, on the gun. Like, if they want to mm-hmm. be on the gun, they're on the gun. Like, it just... I don't know, brother. I yeah. really think it could be a huge mistake. I mean, look, they already lost a good bit of the fan base with Halo 4. Like, that was the weakest online Halo ever. They like, got to win it
1: back on it this had one, first It had a big first week,
0: can. and then it just nosedived.
1: Well, then even consider, I mean, does Master Chief Collection work yet? It does. Yeah, I mean they basically well, got
0: it. And look, you're right though. It's dicey. But it
1: took months. Yeah, like a know? year.
0: <laughs> it, you're right, it's dicey. And so if people were like, "Well, I bought Halo 4. Campaign wasn't that great. Multiplayer I played for a week, like it's going to be interesting." I feel like this game's been flying under the radar. I know we put stuff up on sifted for it. It doesn't do very well, like, you know, I mean, first of all, sifted is almost all PlayStation owners. That's one thing I've discovered. And I guess that just reflects the industry in general. I mean, yeah. obviously, PlayStation is yeah. But stuff we put up for, like, Xbox One exclusives rarely does well. Tomb Raider stuff does okay, but, like, Halo just isn't tracking at all on Sifted. And so, I don't know, man. Like, you know, right now, the title we have running is Master Thief. And I honestly, I feel like 343 has stolen, like, a lot of the stuff away that makes Halo what it is. Like, yeah. I got, do you I it I don't need like, another Call of Duty man. Exactly. I don't need a Call it feels of like, Duty. it feels like I co- I I don't know a
1: compromiser a a bowing to pressure to be like all these more fast-paced military shooters and I feel like it's it, you know could be losing what Halo sight of what off, may, is has made offer. Halo
0: popular. Yeah. And look there's a big nostalgia factor. Halo for a lot of people is the first first person shooter they ever played mm-hmm. cuz not everyone had a PC and was playing stuff like Star Siege Tribes and Quake and all these other games that people who had PCs were playing, like, a lot of people, their first, first FPS was Halo. And so, that nostalgia factor, the fact that people have been playing this game for a long time, and there are certain expectations about what you get in a Halo package, like, I don't know, man. I think it's a very risky move, what they've done with the multiplayer.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know... I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the thing sells because I don't know, like you say...
0: And the opinions of journalists coming out of this event are all over the map, too. Yeah, very mixed. They're, a lot of them are like, I like this, but I didn't like this. I like kind of like that, I really didn't like this. Like, it's... No one's come out and said, I loved everything. This no. is exactly what they should have done with this series. And, and you, look, they're pulling punches on previews, too. Don't they? Oh, yeah, because
1: you, you can see them kind of like, there's people who are kind of saying, like, oh, this might not be a good decision, but you
0: can tell that, like, they want to say it's a betrayal. Well, look, it, right. If they, betrayal. Betrayal. <laughs> One thing I can tell you about video game previews is if somebody points something out and says they have concerns about it, they hate it. Yeah. They just can't say that they hate it yet. And well, so... like, look at
1: the... Watch the... You know, the, the game trailer's uh, uh, video on, on Arena, the Arena mode, I watched on my SIFT earlier, and, like, watch that video. Like, it's like... I mean, Brennan, Brennan Jones is, is pretty okay with everything. He's, yeah. he's cool with it. But the other three are, like... They're sad.
0: Yeah. Like, they're,
1: li- they're li- legitimately unhappy. No, I kind of the other side too,
0: about this. Like, I, n- I never play Halo as much as I play other shooters, at least Call of Duty. Like... I always view it as, like, this little period of the year I go through where I play this different kind of shooter for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And depending on how good it is is how long I stick with it. In Halo 4, I literally played it for a week, and I was done with it. So... You know it, it's almost like you feel like a, a friend is dying like a, <laughs> or is going away is moving away like that's how i feel about like these changes they've been making to this series well, that's like kind of what happened though and it's not made by bungie anymore i
1: mean my first first person shooter was marathon yeah marathon one i had a mac and i mean i played wolfenstein and, and doom and stuff but the first one i played to completion on my own hardware that wasn't at a friend's house or something was marathon one and like bungie has, was my shooter Company forever, and yeah. I loved Halo One, and kind of liked Halo Two, and I liked Halo Three a lot, and all that. You know, I was I was with them for the whole. Time. I loved them
0: up till Halo Three. I honestly loved them. I loved Halo Three. Well, I... I,
1: my my favorite Halo game is Odst. Yeah. Um, I just think that's as good as it got, and I think Reach was great and a great kind of swan song for Bungie. But like,
0: yeah, my fa- I think the best Halo is Halo Three, in my opinion.
1: I I would go still go Odst, but like because I love the firefight mode. Um, but like. Odst is just a permutation of three. You right. know? I mean, it's it's all kind of part and parcel. It's Halo set, three it? yeah. odst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, I loved what Bungie did with the series for the most part, and now they're you know three four three is really or three two three is really changing. Is it three, 3 4, four three? Three four three. Yeah. Three two three is an area code in Los it Angeles. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, three four three is really you know changing it up and trying to make it you know, I guess trying to make it jump to the next evolution, but like. You gotta wonder if they're jumping in the right
0: direction. No one's asking for it. That's no, the thing. That's Nobody true. has ever said, "Hey, I don't like Halo. Can you change it for me?" Well, they said but they didn't like Halo Four. Yeah, right. But that was after so that's after they changed changed it.
1: it. <laughs> and I, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, we talked a couple weeks ago about you know when they they ran that opening cinema for the lock thing, yeah. and I'm just like, you know, I. You're not going to do anything that cool looking in, in, in the game, like yeah. with all the running and the jumping and the. Sli- but then, like, you look at the way it plays now, I'm like, oh, you kind of are. Like, yeah. they are kind of turning it into that. And the question
0: is, like, when you do that, do you lose the Halo? I don't know. I hope, I hope in the very least, the campaign isn't kill all these guys, slip a switch. Kill all these guys, slip a switch. Because that's pretty much all Halo 4 was. Yeah, that's
1: true. Like, you need to have... I mean, the thing, they show the... I can't remember the name of it, but, like, Locks level, they have that giant thing. The Kraken. The, the Kraken yeah, yeah. that oh, dude,
0: that scene is incredible. I mean, that's Halo. That's look, a Halo is, scene. It totally for is. Sure. And that scene is amazing. Like, yeah. the polygons are being pushed in that. It just... That got... That raised the hair on my neck. Mm-hmm. That one shot where you come out and you just see that Kraken and these huge ships coming in. I was like, that's Halo. You got yeah. it, but... I felt that way when looking at like Halo Four before it came out too, and so, you know, I'm still reserving judgment, obviously, and you know, when I finally play this game, I'll be completely, you know, subjective whenever I check it out. But I don't know, man. I still want to play the campaign. Yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. One way or the other. I don't don't know. And I,
1: I didn't really care before I saw all this stuff, and now I'm like, wow, they're really changing it, and
0: I don't know if that's good or bad. But I want to try it. I'm going to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. All right. So that's going to do it for the big six. It's time to go on to our trailer of the week. This is another game, actually, that I've been kind of lukewarm on. But, Matt, I will say that this trailer did turn the tide for me a little bit. And actually, the tide's been turning for this game for a while now. The last, like, Mm -hmm. month or so, the new media they've been putting out, the information they've been releasing. They've been playing it pretty smart. They, so, I, I don't know if they have. Like, I really was not interested in this game really at all until the last month. Maybe that was their whole plan. I think
1: they haven't been really saturating with it. You know, like they're they're you know, Assassin's Creed games have kind of gotten to the point where I think you need to you need to soft pedal them a little bit. You know, yeah. and, and it's getting closer to launch, and now they're kind of finally starting to reveal some stuff. And and I think comes out in a month. Yeah, and I think they've they've done they've done well to sort of avoid, uh, you know talking about it so much that I'm already tired of it. You know, I'm, I'm yep. not. I'm like, oh uh, every once in a while something pops up. I'm like, oh that's interesting. Okay. Yep. And I'm probably in one way or the other because it's Victorian London. Yeah.
0: A great set. Oh, I'm gonna play it, no doubt about it. So this is the story trailer for Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Mr Starek I told you not to disturb me! What have we here? Crawford Starrick's full organisation. Seven henchmen, each controlling the pillars of London society. Rupert Ferris regulates the industries with a steel rod and an iron fist. Shut his trap
1: and get the machine fixed!
0: Pearl Attaway owns all transportation in London, the ebb and flow of the city's traffic at her fingertips. David Brewster and Dr. Elliotson push science and medicine to their very limits.
1: Unfortunately, it appears I've ruined the organ.
0: With terrifying results. Philip Tupany and James Rudinel cripple the masses to grow their fortunes. And finally, Maxwell Roth, London's criminal mastermind. So what's the plan? To free future generations from a city ruled by Templars.
1: Then shall we? Yes. Look at what Starrick has done to the city.
0: We will free London from Steric.
1: We take over Steric's gangs, we cripple his control.
0: We welcome all who would stand up to Steric and his cutthroats. As of this moment, you all work for us.
1: I'm here to see Mr. Roth. Weapons? No, thank you. I've got my own. <laughs> the aura of death. Around both.
0: Mr. Steric sent his regard! They are a child who believes they can solve all the world's woes with a flick of a blade. We're not playing games anymore, Roth! What did you
1: accomplish, boy? You will not stop, Steric. Our city will die. Once more, for all time's sake?
0: And then we're finished. Agreed. Fun. Don't die. Well, oh, we seem to have made an unscheduled stop. Assassins Creed Syndicate. So Matt, what I really like about that is how it plays up the whole brother sister sibling thing. Like mm-hmm. I I knew that they were twins and they were related to each other, but it felt like all the other media it was always like her or him. This is the first one where it kind of showed them together acting like siblings being like, yeah, let's get 'em. Like teaming mm-hmm. up. and like that inspired a little excitement from me for the game. Yeah, I think
1: it, it's going to be interesting to see how they um really make that dynamic work for the story and for the gameplay because, you know, they have very different combat styles. Yeah. And he's kind of a more of a, a brute force guy and she seems to be more of a knife I guess a knife dancer yeah, in a way. Yeah. Um and you know, I think a lot of people sort of cynically said like, "Oh, well, he has a twin sister cuz Ubisoft got nailed for not having female playable characters in Unity." So, right. so now they just stuck a girl in here, but it looks like this was probably the plan from the beginning. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, definitely. it's very much a part of the the base Concept. Yeah, the
0: fabric of the game, yeah. so to speak. It's not just like Attack On.
1: And it looks like they're bringing, actually, gonna you're going to be assassinating people in this yeah. as part of an organization, working your way up to the top kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, which is well, the nice first time they see? really kind
0: of show off, like, the antagonists in the game, yeah. too. It's almost like a rose gallery, that trick Yeah, is. I
1: mean, I'm still waiting for the day when somebody steals the uh, Nemesis system from Shadow of Mordor and makes an Assassin's Creed game of that. Yeah. Because that would keep me playing for a very long time. But, um,. Bringing back the idea of you—yes, you are a secret society that murders people (laughs) in an effort to disrupt the power structure so you can do good in the um, world—is bringing that back is cool. After a couple of games of just like you know random uh, piracy and and, uh, I mean and Unity, I mean Unity is basically just like a romance tragedy that happens to take place in the background of a political upheaval. Yeah. It's not it didn't really wasn't really an assassin kind right. of thing so much. Yep. So yeah, it's good it, it feels well, like Matthew they're coming kind of roots bringing it a little back. bit
0: Yeah. So I'm I'm in. I'll, yep. try it. I'll definitely play it, no doubt about it. So it's time for the deep dive. We're gonna do something a little different for the deep dive this time. And so what's happened is on the site we've been putting out a ton of gaming valves. We finally got them all ramped up and we're putting them out pretty frequently and so a lot of people are discovering our take on game reviews, gaming valves for the first time, um, or there's a lot of comparison going on because we're actually putting up multiple gaming vowels at the same time. And so what I've realized is is that a lot of people who have joined sifted probably weren't around for like the live stream that we did when I showed off the site, mm-hmm. and I talked about our gaming evals then. I also went on a live stream with game trailers and talked about our gaming evals there. And I think I just kind of assumed that people knew how they worked. And so, the uh, the site does not have a place right now where you can click and it'll take you that explains our gaming valve system, and so it's actually a really big oversight that I really feel bad about. Is that people who are reading our gaming valves don't really know how they work or what the theory was behind them? So I just wanted to spend a little bit of time at the end of the show talking about our gaming valves. There's been a lot of comments on uh, our recent gaming valves. The, the one that really brought this on is our gaming valve for Super Mario Maker. So. Basically what happened with our Super Mario Maker game eval is that there are some people complaining, oh, you're you're, you're giving parts of games a zero that they shouldn't even be considered as a part of a review or an evaluation for this game. And so what a lot of people are pointing to is the story. There's, the, we gave mm. a zero for a story in Super Mario Maker, and there's, you shouldn't expect a story in Super Mario Maker. And so...
1: Rescuing the princess doesn't even get you a one these days. It huh? did get a one, actually. It <laughs> okay.
0: didn't it actually didn't get a zero, it got a one. Because there was at least a framework of a story mm. there, at least there's a setup. Some games don't and have that seen at all. A
1: zero into, I mean, I've seen a zero in connectivity a yep. couple of times. I think we no had
0: online. No, there was a zero for story for Rocket League. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they don't even give you any framework no, yeah, at no. all. They don't even say like these are Rocket or these are remote control cars <laughs> or anything. They're just like, here's the game. So anyway, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the idea behind uh, our game valve. So first of all, one of the big things is we wanted to use the whole review scale. And so, you know, as you guys know, I worked at Game Trailers for seven, eight years. I worked with Matt at X-Play for five or six years. Before that, I worked at GameSpot. And so I have done the seven to ten review scale for a long time. And look. I'm not begrudging any website that that is currently kind of stuck in that seven to 10 scale, because the thing is, is once you get to a certain place with your website, you can't go back. So say GT today decides, you know what? Starting today, we're going to get out of this cycle of the seven to 10 scores. And we're going to start using the five as average, which is what we're doing on Sifted right now. What you have to do to retrofit your site is insane. You have to go back. You have to rescore all these games by people who reviewed them that don't work there anymore like me i reviewed hundreds of games at gt you're you you have to go back you have to try to assume what that person thought and how they would re-rate it in the new scoring system you have to change all the scores all the graphics it's just not feasible once you get stuck in that pattern of the seven to ten it is really hard to get out of it and so and actually on Play we had a five point scale yeah. which was good for me to kind of mix it up, going from 7 to 10 to the 5 point <laughs> scale, back to the 7 to 10. We used the whole 5 point We did. I mean, it's a very definitely different. Did. If it's very it's different much system. easier, yeah. And yeah. I think people expect on a 5 point system that you're going to get some 1s, some 2s. Yeah, and some 5s. Yeah. It doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. So, what we wanted to do is we had the opportunity with Sifted to start completely fresh. And so, you know, I was the reviews editor at GT the whole time. I know people don't realize this, but like I ran the reviews at game trailers from the beginning until basically the time I left. I handed off a little of those duties off to Ryan Stevens towards the end, but I was a reviews editor, and I was a reviews editor at X-Play. I handled mm-hmm. all the reviews and took care of all that. So I've been doing this for a long time, and so I had the chance, one, I had all that experience, and two, I knew I wanted to do something different that made more sense. So number one was use the whole five-point scale. And number two was get rid of this imaginary curve that people use in reviews to create scores. And so... What I'm talking about when I talk about that imaginary curve is what some of those people were asking for in our game valve for Super Mario Maker. They're saying, like, this is Mario, and I don't expect there to be a story in Mario, so you shouldn't expect there to be a story in Mario, and you shouldn't ding Mario because there's no story in it. And to me, that is insane. Like, you are creating an exception for one series, basically just because the series is what, you've come to, is what you've come to expect from that series. So, my, not rebuttal, but my explanation for that is, okay, so let's say you give Super Mario Maker the 9 or the 10 that you wanted us to give it in our game eval, well, what happens when they put out Super Mario Maker 2 two, two years later, and what if they put a story in it? How do you reward that game for being the better game. And then one other person was like, well, you know, if they did put a story in it, it would just make the game worse. And it's like, how do you know that? Like, you don't know that the story's gonna be bad. And so what happens when you work on this seven to 10 scale is that there's a lot of assumptions that you make and you're creating like this imaginary curve based upon, like, the genre or the series or the guy making it. It's like, but it's Kojima, so you shouldn't expect there to be this or that. No, it's like, no. You take away all the expectations. You take away all the assumptions, and you just evaluate every game for exactly what's there on the same scale as every other game. And people will always pull out, oh, what about Tetris? Like, that means you give Tetris, like, a one. There's That's the one game out of, like, thousands. And so when you, you can never create a scale or review system that works 1,000% of the time. It's impossible. People have been trying for 40 years. No one's found it. So you have to try to do the best you can for the, the biggest amount of games. And so that's the system that we created for Sifted with our gaming valves. Matt, you've, you did a gaming valve for us. You did mm-hmm. um, Witcher which are 3. Witcher 3. And so, first time you've ever reviewed a game on this scale, like, our freelancers are going through this all right now. Like, mm-hmm. they're they're doing their first game evals, and there's been a lot of back and forth between me and them, and getting them up to speed. How did you? How do you feel about the game evals? Um, <laughs>
1: be honest. Um, I'll be honest. Um, I think it's a cool way to do the system, uh, and certainly I think, um, for the most part, if you look at the, the averages of, of all the games and with the scores they've gotten, I think they... Line up much more rationally than like the 7 to 10 scale like I think Witcher got like a 7.8 total And I would probably score that higher uh, Personally even though I'm the one who did the review. I would got it higher because because um, the main thing actually,
0: that, Tony, can you bring up the still with all our review scores? Like on? the
1: main thing that dragged it down was uh, connectivity. Right. It really doesn't. You know, I gave it. I think I gave it like a two or something because yeah. it had it, this DLC scheme was very consumer friendly. That right. was basically the only connectivity it has. Yeah. Um, so it got pulled down a bit in that regard. Um, my thing is like, uh, if you know, to your site. So, yeah, you know, so I'm like, okay, I, and I, sent it, I remember I sent it to you, and I said, "Does this look right to you? Is yeah, that yeah. too low? Is it too high?" And you're like, "No, it's, that's mathematically what it should be." So I'm like, "All right, that's it. There you go." And then if you look at it through my sift with like you know how I've kind of rated what I care about in those categories, it comes out to like an 8.4, yeah. which is almost exactly what I would give it on a you know on a seven to ten scale kind of thing. Right. Right. So maybe a little higher, but like in general, like. You know, certainly on a tough grading scale like sifted, through my personal preference stuff in my dashboard, it clearly says, hey, Witcher 3 is really good. Yeah,
0: yeah. I should mean, look, the, the one cheek in the the users the the uh customized user score system is that some people care about stories in one genre, but they don't care about it yeah. in others. But I that's what they say. But here's the thing, like, I don't know if that's true. Like I think they're just saying like Okay, another example that was brought up is Pro Evolution Soccer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, you dinged a soccer game for not having a story. Well, you know what? NBA 2K16 does have a story. And so if mm-hmm. we give... So say we give we give Pro Evolution Soccer the 9.5 that, that these people were saying. Oh, this is a 9.5 or a 9 or whatever. So NBA 2K16 comes out the next week. And let's just say for sake of argument that the gameplay and everything else is just as good in NBA 2k16 but it actually has a story mode so how do you then reward NBA 2k16 for having the story because you've mm-hmm. already used up the whole scale
1: here's the, uh, see because like the the serious reviewer person in me looks at this and says like you know on one hand like uh i think the game eval's real strengths are that they're written very well and sure. I think, you know, if you read the text, there will be no doubt in your mind whether this is a game you want to play or not.
0: That's a good point. So too. to
1: me, I'm like, the score is kind of extraneous, and it's silly yeah. to argue about the score back and forth. The fanboy in me says, is Super Mario Maker really only point two better than Mad Max? You know, like, that's, the, that's the... I'll be think, honest
0: with you, it is only... Yeah? Yeah, in my opinion. I mean, I'm the one who evaluated it. I mean, it. I haven't
1: played Super Mario I Maker. actually
0: didn't enjoy Super Mario Maker all that <laughs> and much. And speaking
1: as someone... Who has put like thirty goddamn hours into Mad Max? Like, right. you know, it's not like I'm saying Mad Max is a terrible game. And, yeah. You know, so, but like you know, but people get obsessed with these like comparison of number, number, yeah. number, and you know, I know you know, and also like the seven to ten score thing comes from, uh, you know, uh, school grading. You know, I think I think that I think that comes out of like you know, if you get below a seventy, it, you know, you're you're out of the C range and you're in the D range and everything below that is failing. And I think games were, were targeted, mo- you know, when we were growing up, the the game evaluation sort of uh, review system came up around school kids reading these magazines, and so to us, anything below a C
0: is failing. And I think that's sort of where that all shifted and well, getting speaking, out of that mentality. Speaking of, as difficult. a reviews editor from my personal experience, the reason it ended up being a seven out of ten scale is because when we first started reviewing games back in the N sixty four, PlayStation, Dreamcast era. There were really bad games. Yeah. There were terrible, awful, borderline broken, unplayable games. And we did. When we first started, we used the whole scale. There was games that would come out for $20 that were just pieces of crap. There was bargain bin games. And so you had this whole swath of games that filled out that whole scale. I remember my first review I ever did for GameSpot, I gave a game like a 2.6. Like... But over time, because of the budgets of game development got so high that the floor got raised up Mm. to that seven level. Like, you just simply don't get B, C, D level games anymore. And the games that are, like, bad or there weren't a lot of money spent on their development, those games are indie games now. And instead of paying the full 50, back then it was 50, now $60 dollars. You pay 9.99 or 14.99 for these games, and so it's harder to really give them a bad score when you're like, well, I'm only spending eight dollars on it. The mm. value is there. I'm getting decent amount of playtime for my money. So it created this floor at the 6.5 or 7 level because those are the only games that ended up surviving, like through yeah. the, the changes of the industry. And, and nobody it, ever recalibrated kind it, of their you expectations. You can't though. You yeah. can't go back and recalibrate. And that's why I was so glad when I started sifted that I could wipe that slate clean and mm-hmm. start over. And looking at our scores, it's like, to your point, it's like, don't get caught up on the numbers. But maybe yeah. you do get caught up on, like, okay, does this list, this list look, look right to you? Does it look like... If you ignore the numbers and look at the list of, like, the rankings. I don't right? even think if you ignore the numbers. Because, look, The Witcher 3 didn't have any online functionality. Look at a game like Dark Souls that finds a really cool way to do, like, online functionality. Like, yeah, but, like, here's, here's,
1: here's my only counter to that. Um, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna compare it to another medium, which also has a whole bunch of things it can do, which is film. Okay. My favorite movie of 2013. Maybe I'm exposing myself as an indie darling here. <laughs> my favorite movie of 2013 was uh, Her, okay. uh, by Spike Jonze. Um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and all. You know, Scarlett Johansson as the AI, and he falls in love with it. Yeah, I watched I, that. It's a good movie. I loved. Yeah, that. It that was really my good. favorite movie of that year. But when people are kind of talking about how, like, you, gave, you give a 1 to Super Mario uh, and da, da 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 I don't think there's special pleading so much for, oh, don't bother Mario with it. I think it's more like, I don't rate her lower because it didn't have a car chase in it. Because while car chases can be an awesome part of a movie, not every movie has to try to do that. And so if a game isn't attempting to do some element that other games might try... It's not always necessarily fair to hit them that hard with it. Like Witcher 3 doesn't have connectivity, but they just didn't want to do that. How do you and know that though? You
0: don't know that. Because they didn't you were do, on do the it. team, but they maybe they tried and they failed and they couldn't do it. How are making how, Well, how, you, how do you, well, how how do you, you know? That's back to what I was saying. Well, how do you, you are know ma- do? It doesn't matter because you cannot use assumptions. That is the devil of the whole thing is making an assumption. With the gaming valve, there's no assumption made. It's either there or it's not there. Period. You're making an assumption saying they didn't want to do it. You don't know that. They could have tried. They could have prototyped it eight times and never got it to work. Like, Well, one day I hope we find the abandoned script for Super
1: Mario Maker then. but, the, but That's all I'm saying. It's like, it's, It doesn't it, matter it, if they
0: tried or not. You're missing it again. You're still missing the point. It doesn't matter whether they tried to do it and failed or tried to do it and just didn't want to put it in. The fact of the matter is it isn't there, and that's black and white. And when you're evaluating something and you're trying to create something like this, where you're trying to tell someone whether they should buy one game or another, you can't have assumptions or nebulous things. Like the, the more cut and dried you can make it, the more standardized you can make it. And the, more, the easier it is for you to create an even playing field to evaluate two products against each other. Because let's be honest, that's what people do when they read or watch game reviews. They're trying to figure out, should I buy this game or should I buy this game? I have X amount of money, I can't buy them all, I wish I could but I can't so I need to pick like which am I gonna buy and so when you're trying to help somebody create this comparison in their mind things have to be black and white you can't assume you can't assume that Nintendo didn't try to make a story for Super Mario maybe they did it doesn't matter the fact of the matter is it isn't there and there are other 2d platformers that do have stories and great stories so you're just giving You're trying to give Super Mario Maker a pass, is what I'm saying. And look, a lot of it might be because you're a big Nintendo fan, and you don't like that the score for a game that you love got a bad score or whatever. But I'm not really a Mario fan. I'm not talking about you, I'm just talking in general. But what I'm saying is you can't just say like, well, Mario's never had a story, so why do you ding it? It's because, because there are other 2D platformers that do do stories, and they do them very well. And so if you're saying that I can't ding Mario for not having one, how can I reward a game that does have it?
1: Mm. You see what I'm saying? The thing is, I, like, I think it's a very holistic approach to video
0: game reviews. It and, totally is, and, and it's completely different.
1: Well, right, you're going to have to completely re-educate someone because like, this, the thing no, is... No, that's like, exactly what the problem is. It's like the score isn't going to tell you everything. you know, cause, And yeah, the... the it would be nice if the preferences in the dashboard could address all possible instances, but it isn't. It's impossible. So you're yeah. going, you know, it's like, and maybe I look at, maybe, I'm not saying I do because I don't, you know, I'm, you know, I I think a story based Mario game can be interesting because like, I know they're not the same genre, but like, I think like the, the, the Mario and Luigi all stars games have really entertaining story. You can tell a good story with Mario. Yeah. You don't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be save the princess every time and that doesn't have to be all there is to it. But I think like. Let's say I read that Super Mario Maker review and like, you know, I look down and I'm like wow that's a really low score for something that they gave such a high amount of praise to. But then I look, you, you look at those individual ratings and you're like oh it got a 1 in story because it has almost no story do I care about that in a Mario game? Maybe you don't. Yeah. So, like, you've still gained
0: information. But, you still know whether
1: you need to make really that decision. But do you really not care
0: or... about it? Or you just say you don't care about it because you love Mario and you're well, trying think, to... Well, look... I
1: think the people that are trying to argue you, uh, you know, basically bully you into changing the score, those people are like that. Right. But someone say, I'm saying the ideal reading of this review would be like, Okay, why did this? Why is this score lower than I thought it would be in comparison to the text, or not even in comparison to the text? In comparison to what I've been trained to think that text should reflect in a score? Because like, let's say you read that game eval, say that game eval was on a normal, the normal seven to ten site, maybe that score would be marked eight point five or something, you know? But like, that's not how you're rolling on sifted. So. And you need you need to think critically as a reader and a consumer and say like hey like you know objectively he gave this a very low score for story and maybe maybe you really don't care about that story in there and maybe that's not going to dissuade you but that is still information you gain from that site from the site and from the game eval so you need to you need to think for yourself basically yeah like you can't you know it become if you're going to go with a holistic kind of like purely mathematical model the reader is going to have to understand. That some of this is on them to to
0: decide for themselves. I think the funny thing about this whole thing is that all I heard for years and years was how much people hated the seven to ten thing, Mm -hmm. and it has been shocking. But but it's hard to get out of that warm bath. Oh my gosh! Some people are literally like brainwashed into it, and I've you know I'll say it over and over. Forget about everyone else's scores. Like ours are different. They're Mm -hmm. always going to be different. Like we will never submit our scores to Metacritic because it's just not fair. Yeah. It's not fair to the developers. These Some of these developers, they get their bonuses based upon their aggregate score. Mm-hmm. And so if we're going to score games on a different scale from everybody else, it's not fair for us to go in and drag that average down, and possibly cost people like tons of money. Cost so some
1: bonuses, yeah.
0: So look, we get it. We're different. We want to be different. We, if mm. we were just another website reviewing games like everybody else, no one would give a crap.
1: Yeah, it's like, do you do you really need another nine
0: point two no, score you don't. for Mario Maker? No, the there? site would have closed already if that yeah. if we were like everybody else. It wouldn't even have probably launched. So, and for those who are skeptical or or kind
1: of r- ripping on it, you know, because you know this time their favorite game, the game they and really see, like And see, that's right the now. other thing,
0: is that right. like people are always, like, the people who come in, like, look, when you're on a website with people for a amount of time, you start to figure out, like, where they lean. Mm-hmm. You can figure out what genres they like, you can figure out what developers they like, and that's part of it, too, is that a lot of the people who came in here are the people who are typically commenting on Nintendo stories on the site, mm-hmm. and, you know, defending Nintendo on the site to people who say nefarious things about them, so, you know, you got to take some of that with a grain of salt as well, but... Yeah. I just wanted to sit down and kind of explain our review scoring system a little more clearly uh, because there's really no place on the website right now for you guys to get that mm-hmm. information. So... And my suggestion would also be like, wait a year. Yeah. Like, like let's see... What, right now we have 15 yeah. game evals up. Like let's so. see when
1: you've got 100 game evals up there yeah. and when it all, how it all kind of shakes out and like what, it, you know, when you look at all those things together and how the curve runs and, you know, we'll see... How high can you get in the, in the modern era? You yeah. know, you, I certainly don't see any game ever getting a straight 10. Unsifted. I think it's possible. It's possible, but like, you know, it's possible we could both become hippos in the <laughs> next five seconds. I I mean, no, know, you know, that is
0: not possible.
1: Oh, anything's
0: possible. No. Becoming hippos is not possible. A game getting a perfect 10 on Sifted, possible? Highly unlikely, but possible. But I, I'll guarantee you one More thing... More possible than the hippo thing. Yeah. I mean, look. A game's going to beat The Witcher 3 probably before this year's over. Which one? I'm not gonna say, but I have. There's, <laughs> there's like three games right now that I feel like have a chance to beat The Witcher three score, mm. but and it'll be a big deal. It's like I curate every review. I see them all. I never see scores below like six point five ever. Like I've seen two. I've been doing. I've been curating reviews to sifted for five months now. I've seen like two reviews below like a four mm. total.
1: Well, then it's like. It, w- Wow, something got a low, something got like a 6.5, and people basically
0: put the flares up. Yeah. It's working on Sifted, man, is a huge eye opener. Like, I just wish somebody could do it for, everyone else could do it for a day because they will see so much bullshit going on in our industry, (laughs) man. Like, all these websites are just. They're photocopies of each other. They're all reporting the same crap with a different headline, like literally. Well, I like your, like you told me earlier about something about
1: how you, you would see, because early, early in the morning when you're up doing the initial curation, you see w- who gets the actual news. Right. And then like an hour or two later, you see all the other sites
0: starting to put up their kind of oh, yeah. reinterpretation of that same. Oh, news. and we also, and you can start running footage again, Tony, you don't need to leave that up, but... Here's the real kicker is that, like, there's a bunch of sites out there living off of Sifted right now. Like, because, and look, I mess with them because a lot of the trailers from Japan, like, they don't, they have, like, weird names. You can put it in Google Translate and, like, kind of get a rough idea of what the title is. So a lot of them, like, I watch the trailer and I create the name of the trailer so that people who come to Sifted know what it is. And I'll put it up and you just watch in our admin. All these sites start putting <laughs> the same exact goofy title that I created for that trailer. So, look, I know you guys are out there. I know what you're doing. Like, <laughs> And some of these sites are the big sites, too. And, like, you even see some of them do, like, five trailers in a row. Like, we'll we'll curate a bunch of stuff, and then you'll see these, these big sites going ding, 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 mm. ding, ding. Like, you know, they're basic subscribers. They're spending their $10 a year, and they're letting us do their job for them. It's so, a trap. Look, I'm not going to re- re- begrudge them too much just because of the nature of Sifted. Obviously, Sifted right. exists because everyone else is creating content. But it is funny that, like, a lot of these sites have kind of lashed onto us. But that should show you, like, we're nailing it, man. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, we have everything every day. We may not put up everything first, but I guarantee you 80% of the stuff you'll see first on Sifted before you see it on every other site. So if I need to know something about a game or, if I, you know,
1: what's the latest on X... Like, I will, you know, my standard procedure is just to search out the
0: game page on Sifted and I'll see everything that's been posted. I've I've actually thought about just, like, live streaming 24 hours a day from, like, here at Sifted HQ and just having a camera and a mic on all day and just showing people what we do because i think if day in the life kind of thing and i think if people saw what we do and saw how far ahead of everybody else we are with almost everything i think people would have a much bigger appreciation like i was going back through we have an old q a thread like up and like every once in a while i go back and check it just to see if new people like come in and like make comments who just join you know i want to make sure that people who just join a lot of times it's easy to easy to assume they know what's going on with the site So I go and check in there and like I saw some comments, some guys like, this is just an RSS reader. And that was like the most offensive thing. Like, (laughs) it made me so mad. I'm like, if you knew how much work went into what you're seeing every day, it's like, go use your RSS reader, because our admin is kinda like an RSS Mm -hmm. reader, and it's a disaster. And we create the the order out of all that chaos. So it's interesting. It's like starting on this site doing something completely different from what's been done before. It has been an eye opener on so many levels that I never anticipated like when I came up with the idea and started like building it and trying to see if it would work. So It is
1: kind of a weird little peek behind the curtain on a you only see on this
0: macro scale it's not pretty i'll tell you that much like (laughs) all these sites are literally 95 percent of all their content is the same on every single one of them and it's a matter of like who gets the one story up first and that's the thing like the thing with sifted is everybody else gets that one story up first but we get it up second so we get up every story second but site a gets up three things a day first site b gets up two things a day first We're second with everything. And so, really, unless you want to sit there and go tap, 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 and just do it all day, like, you'll never get the value that you do out of Sifted. And I do not. Yeah, (laughs) and who does? Some people do. You do. You have to do it. I don't know. That's not how we work, though. It's not what our site does. It's all, like, we built into our admins. So... Anyway, I think we've went off on a tangent. I'm talking about Sifted way too much, and we should close out the show. because you know, the dive is about how Sifted functions. We haven't talked about that. In a while. Yeah, and I mean the other part too is that like all our subscribers pretty much watch the show, and this is like the one opportunity where I could reach everybody with one thing. And look, we are gonna put up like our uh, our gamey vowels explain. I'm probably even gonna do a video like this more organized and not as scatterbrained as I was when I was talking about it tonight. But. uh... We will be putting that stuff up, but I think like this is a good opportunity to kind of let people know how we're doing things and uh, how the site works. Because GameFace is the one thing that everybody who subscribes watches, so I figured we'd take some time to tackle that. So let's see if we have a couple questions. I don't even know if on Monday if we even have any people watching the show live. I haven't been able to check the chat since we first launched. Well, they missed some good stuff. Let's see. If I do say so ourselves. What'd you say? I
1: said they missed some good stuff. If they, they definitely if they didn't did. If I watch tonight. If I do say so ourselves.
0: But that's, uh, that's why the archive is there. Do any of you guys have any questions for us tonight before we close out the show? I probably mm-hmm. should have asked before I went yeah, on. Yeah, it was like a episode. 20 second delay now. But. Yeah. And some people are just joining. Yeah, so, uh, actually people were saying, oh, I must have missed some good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How can you tell? Uh, so I'll give you guys a couple minutes. You've got to get your questions in now or we're going to close the show out. And how many people were? I mean, I guess tonight's not a good. I can never tell. Yeah, because, there's no like, there's no counter. There's on no the, on counter the iPad. to tell me like yeah. how many people are watching. Here's a question: Do you think it's a given that the NX will support Amiibo, or will they die with the Wii U? That's from Danny Endurance
1: I think they'll absolutely. Oh, they're absolutely yeah, yeah. going to No question. <laughs> That's like the most successful new thing Nintendo's launched in a generation and They've a half sold
0: here. 7 million Amiibos already. Yeah, there. and they
1: haven't even distributed them properly. I mean, they could probably have sold 12 million
0: if Imagine they had not. Imagine if they actually there. had like, their manufacturing up to speed. Yeah. Like, dude, yeah. They're ne- no Amiibos question. are never... One thing I know for a fact is there will be an NFC reader on the NX.
1: Yes, Amiibos will be... Amiibos are the new B and A buttons. That may be the way. only yeah.
0: thing I know for sure about <laughs> NX. <laughs> But that's one of them. Yes. I do know that for sure. No doubt. Okay, let's see. Uh, Bolivar 33. I recently got approved for NeoGap and realized I don't want to talk there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to post on Sifted. Bolivar's weekly question, when will the forums be up? You know what? You're going to have to ask Brent about when the forums are going to be up. Like I, You know as much as I do at this point. Like, Brent, he just had a kid. He's really busy. I, I don't know. I really don't know. And I got to tell you, I'm more frustrated than you are. That's all I'll say. Like, Schrodinger's
1: forums. Yeah. I don't know.
0: But look, Brent's on the site every day. You can see him. He's staff. He's Brent. Ask him. He's on there. You can't miss him. He comments on at least 20 stories a day. So just ask him. He he knows more than I do, actually. Uh, what's Brent's Twitter handle? <laughs> Good one. That's pretty funny. Uh, Let's see. Guess No Man's Sky release date. Uh, when does PlayStation VR come out? <laughs> Not till like early next year. Um, I'm gonna say March, April, 2016. I think I, you. I think you said this before. That it'll be a. Lo- it'll come out day and date with PlayStation VR. I think VR. so. I, I think look. that's probably whatever date
1: the v- PlayStation VR launches. That's my de- guess for uh, No Man's Sky release date.
0: Okay. Uh, from W. Matthew, do you think the Rift will be $500? Get the feeling it will be 350 ish. Rift, they said at least three hundred. Yeah, at least says
1: probably four hundred, but maybe three fifty.
0: I'm thinking four hundred. I think you can get away with saying at least and tack on another hundred before people like have a mutiny. Yeah, <laughs> but that's about it. That's pushing it. Yeah, I think it'll be four hundred.
1: Four hundred sounds about you know three hundred ninety nine US dollars. Yeah, yeah. Um, I still
0: think that's too much, personally. Yeah. But I think
1: that's about what it'll be. I wouldn't be surprised if they wanted it to be three forty nine. Yeah. But like I don't know if they're gonna get there. I mean I don't know what's determining the price on this, probably the cost of just the parts
0: manufacture. Yeah. But yeah, four hundred is probably where I'd bet. Alright, so I think that's all the questions for tonight's show. I think we gave you guys enough time. And uh those are the questions that we got. So all right, we're going to close out the show with that. It's been another awesome episode of Game Face. As always, to all the people who made it to the stream, thank you. Uh, we really appreciate your flexibility. I know it's really stupid to be jumping all over the place, but unfortunately, this guy <laughs> has a crazy schedule right now. So, all around the world. Yeah. As he said at the beginning of the show, um, we should be getting on a, somewhat of a normal schedule. Again, in the comments, kind of let us know what days you guys prefer. I know Europeans will just uh, mm. probably just say earlier, and I totally get that. But, uh, this will probably be our one and done Monday episode. I don't know if we'll ever do another one of these. No, nah, I
1: think it, it's it's literally opposite end of the week from where you want to be considering yeah. when games come out. So yeah,
0: tomorrow's like the day that you know all the big news comes out, all the games will come out, and you're free to kind of talk about everything. Yeah. So. Unless we
1: want to talk about Lego Dimensions, yeah, uh, which I did not buy because uh, Matt it's too damn much money. Yeah, it's like, I mean it's getting good reviews, but like the thirty-five dollar whatever like level packs apparently you can finish them in an hour. Mm. I mean it's it's I think. Uh, Mm-hmm. that's just tough
0: well we'll probably talk about it next week yeah because <laughs> uh, maybe I'll have you review it this is on the way here right now so All right. if you're into it I don't know when you want to play it so I do want to play it I'll let you do it, it. for I mean, free deal. you won't have to pay for it so it's a good deal there you go alright everyone as always thanks for watching special thanks to those of you who tuned in for the live stream we'll see you next week Game Face is up and out <laughs>